As it should, as it like now the most. Reach the fucking podcast to a halt and talk about a Charles Hamilton album. <laughs> yes, we had shut to, up. So we had to shut up while Sonic. I talk about Charles Hamilton. This is why people listen to the show, so I can talk about things that people care about, like Charles Hamilton. Albums. God, sorry, mom. He's got to talk about Charles Hamilton. <laughs> exactly. Charles Hamilton had over 540 albums in line. Try and get through all of them in, in the next calendar year, and I listened to one over the course of this week. It was 10:28. This is Charles Hamilton getting drunk and rapping over a bunch of Ninth Wonder beats over what appears to be a cell phone that he put in the middle of his living room. And generally better than the ones he did where he put a cell phone in the middle of his living room and rapped over Mad Lib beats. Uh, about half of these are actually pretty charming. Um, the thing about Charles is he's like that guy at a party who will always insist on rapping and you're like, oh, fuck, he's going to do it again. But then when he starts doing it, it's like, this is pretty entertaining. And he does it longer than you wish he would, but he's still pretty entertaining when he does it. And doing it over the course of an album, the beats are actually recorded pretty well, so it's entertaining. This starts off really obnoxious because it's called Arguments with Brianna is the subtitle of 1028. And if you look at it, it has something about tweets in it, and it's written in, like, crayon, like Kanye's cover for uh, Yay, where he brags about being bipolar, which is our obligatory initial Kanye mention, I'm sure, in our last. But... Yeah, so he's being pretty immature about women to start, but then about track four is the CH show, the Charles Hamilton show, and all of a sudden he forgets about women and starts rapping like crazy, crazy good for about three tracks over Ninth Wonder Beats. And he picks really good Ninth Wonder Beats that I don't recognize, which is very impressive, which is just the weird thing about Charles Hamilton. You feel like he gets drunk, makes his girlfriends or whatever girls are interested in him mad, and then goes home and just gets drunk and raps at beat tapes for hours and hours and hours and records it and calls it an album. And this was him doing that with Ninth Wonder stuff. And it gets a little obnoxious sometimes, but this impressed me about half the time. And there are two or three songs on here I would show to somebody that doesn't know him that might be impressed and not know what his old shit is and actually listen to it again. So I'm going to give him an extra cast emerald on this compared to the last one. Six out of the can. Six out of ten Chaos Emeralds for Charles on 1028, Arguments with Brianna. I don't think Brianna probably got back together with him after this, though. Uh, also, I was told I should make a correction. Amy Rose is not a female hedgehog, has a fucking hammer or something. I don't know. Ryan wanted me to correct 
Because she is a female hedgehog. Come, come on. She is a female hedgehog. She's 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 a wonderful woman with a great character okay. and dynamic. This is not the best way to make a good first impression. <laughs> I feel like this is perfectly setting up me as a person and I mean, as I feel like producer. this is the perfect thing for the Charles Hamilton part of the show, <laughs> arguing about Amy Rose. But beyond that, I'm enjoying this very much. I'm just sitting listen, here listening to, to people listen, talking about hedgehogs. It's like you said last episode. If you want to get Hamilton to listen to this episode, these are the types of things we need to go over. That is true, and I'm pretty sure there's at least one mixtape devoted entirely to Amy Rose. At least. So, possibly a series. I don't know. Anyway, this was a, one of the better ones. So, if you're following along, the link will be included in the description. I'm also going to start a spreadsheet where I include uh, the link to whatever... I might not do this. I'm not going to promise this until I do it. Never mind. I'm taking that one back. But if I actually do it, then I'll talk about it. So, Anyway, the actual topic of the episode is going to be something that we promised in the past and that we kind of talked about in the past in an episode that has been thankfully redacted from history. We're talking about Lil Peep. Sadly lost rapper Lil Peep, who has been greatly influential, that we've discussed a lot in recent times on the show. We're going to go through his discography, his influence, and our favorite songs of his, obviously, and just kind of how he's had an influence on current artists, the current musical trends, how he's been, how his legacy has sort of been misconstrued by people or misappropriated by people, I think, including actual songs that have been taken from him. Yeah, he's it's 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 a bit it's a bit like it's a bit messy after a certain point peep peeping his like his discog and like basically what people took away from him. Well it's weird that he was misunderstood when he was alive and misappropriated when he was dead. But there was that short window, I think, that led people like me who didn't understand him when he was alive to get it and that get it enough that they understood that it was bullshit when something like that single happened. Right. And right. I don't know. I think, I think it's tough because I think to understand like how Lil Peep ended up being like the, the star that he was for a very short period of time, you kind of have to understand like the, the scene that like, kind of birthed it because i feel like he was ultimately ended up being like the one poster child for like a specific movement in within like the underground of rap music and then he was the guy that blew up from it because i mean you could say x but they were doing very different things and i feel like they were two sides of a different coin even though a lot of people probably in that like sphere who were in the know listened to both of them at the same time well, who loved first? Who would you say got notoriety in the mainstream first? X I think X. I think X a little bit first. I mean, they were around the same time, uh, but yeah, I'm having a hard time recollecting. I was I was gonna say Peep did at least well, in terms of me, maybe from my perspective. But I know I had heard and seen Peep get covered before X, but I could be I could be off on well, that. Well, no, I think you might be right because I remember. I mean, Peep. The really thing about him is he just like straight up started making music and then very quickly it went somewhere. Like, you know, we'll get to it, but like Little P part one, like 
he made in like his house, right? Like so he made like um I'm pretty sure he made like Star Shopping like in his home and his mic broke and the song was supposed to be longer or something like that. And that's how the song came out. Um wow. I, I remember that song came out perfect. Like yeah. that's yeah. amazing. You you know what? I'm I'm looking at it right now. I'm pretty sure seventeen came out in twenty seventeen, which is I think that's that's the year Peep died, right? Yeah. But no, but okay. look at but look at me look at me was came out in twenty sixteen though. And that was like getting mm-hmm. traction in twenty sixteen. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, here's right. Peep had Beamer Boy that same year, which was getting traction a lot of traction okay so beamer boy was a single because that actually was the thing that floored me the most when i was doing my homework for this episode that beamer boy was incredible beamer yeah boy floored that's me. like that song is before, and that song fucking floored me that song is like a three minute hook like there literally is no real verse yes but content wise too a minute and a half in he flips the song on in on itself yeah yeah like he like lyrically flips it in on himself it's like and the his delivery on it like and hook wise yeah it's a three minute hook every line is a hook like the the my favorite part of that song is when he says like you know i'll show you like baby i was chosen and then it like yes it's like, yes yeah. man like i don't want to skip to california boy but california boy gives me serious frank ocean vibes oh the oh. the cal the california girls ep you mean California Girl, I'm sorry. I keep getting it mixed up with a little B song for some reason. Yeah, the California <laughs> Girls EP. Like, overall, like that, the way he, it feels a little like his vocal delivery on that feels a little blondish to me. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. He has so many influences that I can't, like, trace. That feels like where he was going with it. Like, he started in that pop punk space and he ended up in more of, like, a distorted all R&B somewhere between max b and frank ocean well that the california girls i think is his like cloudiest like release like it has most interesting to me but i don't want to skip it probably is it has because because california world the track with craig zen is like a cloud rap song through and through like 100 percent um and it's like so hazy and like ethereal yeah for a lot of the ep well yeah we we don't want to jump ahead but a lot of the ep it's it's he, his vocals are both anybody you know, Craig Zen too. All of their vocals are mixed so far in the back compared to where the beat is. It's almost overpowering. At least the first time I I remember hearing it, I was like, you could barely understand what they're saying just by the fact that they're mixed so low. And it's which just, is very oh, much it's a just, contrast to how Pete normally is in a lot of his songs, where he's very upfront. He might as well be like right in your face, screaming at you. Like, oh, yeah, part of what his whole appeal was, but I think that he was directly at you. Mm-hmm. And so now he's doing this very reverb thing, which kind of, I don't know, the feel I got off of California Girls was very much listening to Blonde for the first time, where it just felt like somebody was being buried behind walls and walls of reverb, walls and walls of trying to remove themselves from very powerful emotions that they were expressing but removing themselves musically no that's a that's an interesting I, I actually really didn't think of it that way but at the same like i could see it and i mean i feel like it's still an early project of his so we might as well talk about it now because we can you know he didn't have that many like i mean he had a lot of eps but not a lot of them were like truly essential in the sense of like 
they're they're good for like you know big fans to listen to. And I, I sampled like, a yeah, I sampled a few. They're like they're little knickknacks here and there of like uh like li- I could probably say that maybe he was trying he was just trying things out literally with every EP like feels there's like one feels song is really that's, good feels yeah. is good but there's there's a uh there like the title track is like actually like a halfway a horrorcore song because he's he's that's like the only time i've ever noticed that he's ever rapped about like specifically i'm gonna just kill you <laughs> do you prefer feels to the animal collective feels uh probably because i think feels is pretty boring <laughs> Yeah, as I, uh, most of an, an Animal Collective's like supposed uh, big uh, album streak, post Sung Tongs. I don't really go for that. I mean, you're really trying to bait me into talk about Meriwether right now. Is there anything to talk about with Meriwether? Is there anything? It's so it's it's so, the singles are good. Poking the bear, bro. Poking the bear. Ooh, it's it's the still what? Their, it's still easily their best record. But besides the point, I mean that's also false, but still. Oh, I mean, uh, it's fine. We I have a I by the way I have a guest in mind for the Anko episode, but we'll 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 go over that. All right, this is just a teaser for the uh, yeah teaser. It's gonna we're doing we'll, we'll do an Anko episode. Um, I guess, but okay. To your point about like the EPs, I do think that in the case of California girls like it was when all of what he was trying like really hit and the brevity of it like 22 minutes I think like it's got three songs on there that I think are like perfect tracks like California World Beamer Boy and Lil, uh, Lil Kennedy I love Lil Kennedy okay we had a discussion about this in the chat what was more egregious him comparing himself to JFK or Lil Wayne comparing himself to Martin Luther King on uh, Carter 3 Definitely the the latter. <laughs> Assassinate me, bitch, because I'm doing the same shit that Martin Luther King did. Like, are you? Are you what? really doing the same shit that Martin Luther King did, Lil Wayne? It's, it's really, oh. an, it's really an inc- uh, incredible line. Lil, Lil Peep kind of, I mean, look, now it makes... I feel like he did this, though, where it's like comparing yourself to JFK is kind of like comparing yourself to... You know, insert like icon that died, like Cobain or something, where it's like he has a great know. song called Cobain. I couldn't True. figure out what the project it was on, but I heard the Slater slow and reverb version of that I loved. It was it's on uh, it, it's, it's Hellboy. On, it's Hellboy, yeah. Which we're gonna. Out. I heard Incel Boy. <laughs> it's on. It's on Hellboy. Hellboy. Uh, oh my Hellboy? goodness. Yeah, yeah it's on Hellboy, which we're gonna get to, and we're gonna we're gonna have. I heard you correctly now. I'm sorry. We're going to have a discussion. But wow, I can't believe that. I did not like Hellboy when we get to it. Like, but apparently I didn't listen close enough, much like when you said that. (laughs) And so, yeah, no. Oh my God. But no, I will say like, I feel like the, the California girls, like I really get the, I feel like it's one that I would show people who weren't like huge into him because it's definitely got like it really encapsulates that like this kind of stump like not stumbling into profundity but just like kind of this quietly profound and like beautiful like way he could write songs where it's like not pretentious and it over your head with it it's more of just like it's almost 
it's so straightforward that it just kind of is heartbreaking at, at points. Like I think, I think Beamer Boy is so straightforward, and it's such an anthem, and that passion and like, um, you know, charisma and and all of everything that made him like special is on display like on that song and on the project in general. I agree with you. I feel like that could be his downfall on we get to the Come Over One Year Sober projects where he tried to transport that into a pop punk context where it came off like really flat with anthems that felt to me like watered down Lincoln Park and Newfound Glory. But when he's doing it here, it feels like, again, akin to something Frank Ocean does on Blonde in a different sort of way where they're both being nakedly honest and plain spoken with you. Like, it feels like there's no sort of forethought behind the words. And that I mean that in the best possible sort of way. Like, there's no sort of pre-considered... They're just saying it to you like it comes to them. And somehow, they have the most appropriate musical backing for that. And yeah, I mean... Immediate. When you have songs... Catchy. When you have catchy songs, but the title is I Pray I Die or Let Me Bleed. Like, you know, it's that sort of... Uh, juxtaposition like is is you know is in your face about it but it's not it's not cloying like it's what i talked about on our episode with trout mask like it's the sincerity to me that is like super powerful and like that earnestness is like really endearing well that's why i got so mad at the mgk song um also there is a line on the charles hamilton album where he says shout out to mgk even though i dissed you that album's from, like, 2012, so I guess he was dissing Machine Gun Kelly back in 2012. He was ahead of the wave. Even though then he shouts him out, because that's Charles Hamilton. But, eh, fuck MGK. Um, we will not shout you out. Your song rips off Lil Peep really bad, and it sounds like a really bad All-American Rejects ripoff, because Lil Peep is not invoking All-American Rejects in any of these songs. Like, even at his yeah. worst, he would not rip off a ripoff. Like... No. That's not where he's going with this. Yeah, so. no, he's he's a different lane, and I can I'm glad to say I still haven't heard a single MGK song ever, so I will keep that going. Not even in research for the podcast we did where we talked about the MGK song. No. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like I feel like I just listen to you guys. I sent I don't you know sometimes I'll I'll listen to albums to join on discussion, but other times no, I can't I can't be bothered. So you're not going to listen to a bunch of Anacon when we have Sphinx on? Um, maybe. I don't know. I He's going to... The problem with... Once you listen to a bunch of... Once you listen to a bunch of Anacon, you're going to turn into, like, uh, uh, all rap is bad except Anacon releases kind of person. <laughs> so, it's like, it's a double-edged sword. Never forget the two comps that were titled, uh, uh, what was it, Music for the Advancement of Hip Hop? Yeah. I Which love might... hip hop albums that sound like community college course titles. Um, <laughs> also, shout out to, um, I'm reading a book about uh, conspiracy theorist Bill Cooper, who had a radio show. And I've been shitting a lot on Talib Kweli lately because he's a paranoid, crazy asshole on Twitter. 
but he does apparently have one good line quoted in this book about how he talked about how he used to be into Bill Cooper and the New World Order shit, but then he said you got to check who the author is in his next bar about that on some album that I have not listened to. So that's a really good bar, actually. Like, taking that conspiracy theory shit, because the big part of this book that I'm getting into, and the whole reason I read it was about how it has influenced a lot of 90s gangster rap is Behold a Pale Horse. Like, if you listen to Wu, you listen to Immortal Technique, you listen to fucking um, Cube quoted it, Nas quoted it at some point. So it's been a big influence, and it's full of shit. It quotes the fucking Protocols of the Elders of Zion. <laughs> I mean, Not a reliable source. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, we're seeing a lot of, like athletes or like rappers or people in the entertainment industry being outed lately for this sort of shit yeah yeah just like um just like just just the oddest of takes and views that i don't even i can't even fathom sometimes i can't like the, they actually want there's a whole chapter that just goes into the five percent or shit which i had listened to five percent of rap for about 20 years at this point i don't think i really knew what five percenterism was I, I had read about it a bit, but, and I was always just like, this seemed like, I don't want to say it's a thing of its time, because I'm not aware of its popularity now with a lot of today's rappers, but it, it, what, it I do know that for around the 90s time, it certainly was the thing that gained a lot of traction in a lot of hip-hop groups. Um, it was definitely I mean, like, you know, how much dust you were doing in the 90s, like, it's that sort of thing. Right. I mean, speaking of smoking dust, you had Bust on the Get By remix, and if you wasn't five percent instead of acting stupid, like it's like, all right, one of the best remixes ever, and now you're yelling at me for not being a five percenter, like fucking. <laughs> but seriously, so could, I don't even know if you could be white and be a five percenter. I don't know how that works. I'm. I've been in enough jam band parties. <laughs> to know that there's probably a white five percenter in one of them. So there's got to be. Uh, well, that one guy. Horse, behold a pale horse. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know how we can tie this back to Lil Peep, but uh, I don't know if Lil Peep believed in the five percenter movement. You know, I, I don't, I don't think so. Although Lil Peep's, uh, was it his dad or his grandfather? His grandfather was like a, was like a uh, big, big like communist. Who's like really? Yeah, he he was like a. The title of this video was Lil Peep a 5%er. That might get us more views. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm actually going to um, look up because I'm... Yeah, his grandfather was definitely like... His grandfather, influential as a Marxist historian and longtime professor at Harvard. All right, fellow traveler Lil Peep. I'll take it. Yeah, so... And also Lil Peep, uh, Terrence Malick is like a close family friend of Lil Peep. As, yeah, the documentary. I wanted to get yeah he touch on live forever for like a second and then we could do crybaby and hellboy and the come over when you're sober i accidentally right. hit the record button by the way so this is on no i can cut it all that's yeah. fine okay all right so we're gonna start back on low peak part one yeah yeah, because we don't you know mall music you know shout out shout out to boy fruit I don't know who he is. I haven't listened to this. I know Caleb has. <laughs> yeah, but... it's like, it's super. Boy, wait, boy, boy, what? What? what it's, like, it's not even, it's like he made this 
they first of all the cover art it's very like 2015 i'm on soundcloud which is very funny but like they definitely made this in like a day or two like this was the you could tell it's like the earliest little pete project so yeah there's some there's a there's a a feature by a person named young rhubarb yep which, you know <laughs> yep that's a that's a who who does uh does he have an R- he does not have an RYM page oh i was really looking forward to seeing yeah, what else young I was really rhubarb. looking forward to hearing what young rhubarb was up to i was really looking forward to the last trek uh hate my oh no wait that was hate, I my, said, hate my hate my fucking, fucking life. life i thought that I thought that said hate fucking life, and I was like, that's a great title. I mean, but no. Young Rhubarb. Young yeah, Rhubarb. rhubarb. <laughs> young it's rhubarb. definitely... I gotta find a reason to mention Young Rhubarb in this fucking podcast. Anyway, Shout out to Young right, Rhubarb. We gotta get back to uh, the show. Alright, so let's go talk about uh, Little Peep Volume 1. Yep, and it's uh, another kind of like what we were saying with California Girls, like this and California Girls, I think, are, like, his cloudiest, like, releases. Like, this is still, it's definitely, like, you know, in the emo rap bucket, but it also is, like, it's it, a lot. It's, it's in that, it's perfectly fits in that yeah. schema posse, like, it, like, this, this feels like a schema posse, or at least what I know of a schema posse. Like, this feels like a yeah. type of Reese that would come out by them, definitely. Well, they had, you know, like, eight million members that all were there for, like, a year, and then it, <laughs> and then it disbanded. Yeah, it only lasted like two years as a group, and then, and then it then it wasn't, and then it came back, and I now who knows? I, I mean, still see I still see releases that say Schema Posse on them, so I have I have absolutely no idea what the state of that is. If you like watch the documentary, it was basically just like a bunch of um, people like living in this house and like divvying up the rent with the very little amount of money they had, and then like just making music every day, and like yeah making music like with a very very diy makeshift studio next to a computer and like you know somebody was producing the song right and like that's what it was so it, it was very yeah. it was definitely very like grassroots like mm-hmm. real it's, underground it, shit yeah similar to like thrax house which i guess we'll get this well he, peep has ties to and maybe we'll, we'll probably get to in a bit here mm-hmm I would but yeah, say but, that a lot of his pop sensibilities kind of come through here. Just the way he does things can't help but come across melodic, no matter how rough his actual vocals are on a technical level. Like, right. the very first song is immediately arresting, both in the naked lyricism of it and in just, again, like, I think every line he spits can be a hook. Is That's his biggest appeal. That's something that every 2000s emo artist yearned for was to be able to say something emotional and resonant and also have it be catchy. And Mm -hmm. he's able to do that over and over and over and over. But his sensibility comes from someplace different. And he does it differently pretty much every time out. And it's most appealing to me when it's over something cloudy or distorted. We'll get to when it comes across something more close to those 2000s emo records i'm not as fond of that here it feels more a piece with like almost something you could hear like fucking uh doppelganger is over almost like it's that cloudy it's that like just in that lane it's definitely like doing something 
different and weird and in his own lane with the lyricism over it. And I feel like the big touchstone for him is Kid Cudi. Yeah, I don't. I, I I don't know. I mean, like what I know about his influences that he's spoken about is in interviews. Like I know he said like Future is like one of his favorite rappers, and he and he mentioned the the like throwaway coding crazy like Future, which definitely makes sense when you listen to like this sort of stuff. He mentioned like Chosen One, like those type of songs, um, which are like kind of like you know. A gr- super melodic, like you know, drugged out, like sad, um, like ballads or requiems, essentially, like that that lane of um, futurist music, which I think yeah. you can hear, but you can also hear like I don't know what I mean. The way I see things is one of the best songs I think of of the late 2010s. Like it's so good. Um, it's the, a, the switch up that he does on, yeah. when he starts going into the rapping is just 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 great. Like well, that song. Way of going into rapping from singing that reminds me of Max B and Future as well. And I feel like maybe I'm being too much of an old head, and as I cried about on the previous episode, a boomer uh, by talking about like surprised me know who Max B and Future. Uh, fucking um i said max b who was the other fucking reference point i used i can't even remember god damn it you use um, uh dot you use doppelgangers right yeah yeah doppelgangers but i um i had another one that i had in my head that i was i i didn't think i said i mean besides anyway, just besides like, cody but either way it just seems like i um it's very immediate in the way it's crafted, and I don't think it maybe draws on as many outside references as I want to impose on it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like that you could take bits and pieces of a lot of different, like, P projects and attribute them to something that came before them. Um, I mean, I feel I, like the later, I feel like the call you when you're, call me when you're sober stuff is definitely outwardly influenced by emo pop oh yeah yeah and he he definitely had a love for that type of stuff and he was like in you know it 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 grew with time it's it's uh, it's a steady progression from like oh i'm rap influenced i think to i'm going to go full in on more of the, the the actual emo like rock sound side of what i'm doing yeah, like, I don't know, I, I think just off of this um, tape, like I said, like, the way I see things is such is a very personal, like, personally important song for me, like, I've listened to that song, you know, countless times over the last, like, couple years, it, like, you know, the kind of that song and Star Shopping, which are both on this tape, like, those, those songs, you know, Gym Class 2, which came out a little after this, but isn't on an actual project, like, those type of songs, like, were really huge into like were probably the first things I listened to um, right around the time that he died, um, just as like a way of getting into him more because I had only listened to um, "Come Over When You're Sober" and "Castles" too previously, and I remember I'm pretty sure I thought "Come Over When You're Sober" was mid, and I'm pretty sure I liked "Castles" too, um, and I hadn't heard anything else just from 
just not like paying attention essentially. Um, and also hearing like negative things about it, which you know, of course was misguided, but at the same time I came to like part one and was like immediately struck, um, by like by those tracks and the whole thing's great. Like it's a really great project. It's a good project. I'll I came into part one. This is actually probably the last one I listened. No, I'll live forever. But this is the second to last one that I probably listened to in pro in terms of his like his mixtapes and everything and you know, I, I guess albums. This was like um it was it was me coming off of like the Hellboy Crybaby like area, and then mm-hmm. I listened to the uh, to Come Over When You're Sober Part One, and then like after I adjusted all that, I came into this, and it it feels a lot. It's 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 like his most. It's probably his most like downtoned like if that's a word down like his downbeat. Yes, downbeat album. Like it's really like somber. Mm-hmm. There's not many, like, there's definitely swelling uh, parts that, you know, like, really build in the emotion. But for the most part, it's just, like, he's. A, it feels like he's a lot more, like, mumbly and, like, um, just 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 quiet in his vocal performance here. He's just, he's just sad <laughs> a lot more on this, like, in terms of, like, a quiet way. Uh, know, and it's, it's only until... Like- it's Sorry, only until you off. get the it's only it's only until you get to things like high school. Um, uh, I think it, it's me, like and the later half with like uh, wanna be shame on you and probably star shopping that it's like picks back up. Yeah, you said when it gets to high school, high school is the third song, and high Sorry. school through to it's me that or ghost boy. That's the meat of the album, so that's a good part of the album. I would actually say Veins is a really good song and Star Shopping's the closer. So that's most of the album. And this is my second favorite one behind California Girls. So yeah, I I, I really enjoyed this. And again, like I expected to be coming through this kicking and screaming, being told to eat my vegetables, like, oh like this, the kids like this, you should like this, don't be a fucking boomer. They called you a boomer online, don't be a fucking boomer, you boomer. And uh, <laughs> and it was really Jesus. genuinely good. Like, I really, like, the, I actually thought the first track was great, too. Like, and you said the second, like, you know what? No. I think I genuinely enjoy pretty much every track on here. I like most of this. This isn't my favorite. We'll get to my favorite, but this isn't my favorite. I think there's, I think it took me, it's like I was going to say, this one took me a bit. I didn't get to it, but this one took me a bit to get used to, actually. Because I was coming off of those albums, I it's it does it's not too different, but it's different enough that I was having a bit of an issue with it and like trying to get into certain tracks and just like overall was it feeling outside of the the really obvious singles and like clearly standout tracks like the way I see things, Star Shopping and all that. And nowadays, I now I. Since doing this and I was preparing for this, I think I like it a lot more than I did. I like a lot more of the tracks, but uh, there, there's some stuff that I don't like. But I, I think for, I think it's definitely a really strong start to like what where Peep was gonna go, like as a base for Peep. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really really excellent project. It's, it's my third favorite of his. Um, 
second or third, depending depending on the day. But it, I think it's I think it's my third favorite. I prefer the way he writes hooks in this mode as opposed to the come over when you're sober mode. It just appeals to me more. But I see where the appeal yeah. is in those tracks. We'll get to that when we get to that. But mm-hmm. we can move on from this one. I feel like we've kind of. I just will say that I again, given the title, the fuck, well not the title, the uh, titles of the songs and the cover art. I was really expecting to hate this. I can't say that enough, and I really liked it. So if that's an endorsement to you, I was coming into this really expecting to shit on it, and I liked it. All right, continue. I mean, I guess we could spend like a few seconds on Live Forever because I know I'm assuming Patrick hasn't heard it. I know you've heard it, KP. Yeah, this um, is the mixed. This is the next mixtape right after I uh, live forever. It was also a Schema Foxy release. This um, this is it's okay. It's not. It's for me. There's a couple tracks, but it's it's probably. And again, we're not counting mall music here. But if we were, it's probably his weakest project. It's got a couple highlights on it, but for the most yeah. part, it's. I don't know. I think I think it's pretty good. I don't. I think there he has. I mean, oh, we're not counting the, some EPs then. Well, well, I'm just talking about his mixtapes. Oh, albums. as a as a full length, yeah. I'm just talking about those. As a full length, I think it's. Uh, if we're not counting mall music, I think it's his weakest. And I think that you know, again, outside of a couple tracks, uh, it's not bad. It's not bad, but it's kind of nondescript. To me, it just feels yeah, like he's, he's working things out. It's very heavy on using acoustic. It kind of parlays into a, a like a like a like. I can see what he took from this and would later put into things like Hellboy with all of those acoustic tracks and like and also Castles uh, one and two. I could see where he's going with this, but uh, it's it's not fully fleshed out yet. Yeah, I think it's a pretty solid project. I don't really listen to it that much because he's got just got a bunch of projects that I love listening to more. But um, I really like "Give You the Moon." Um, Give You the Moon is great. Yeah, I really like. I actually really like the ending, the "Live Forever" run to the end. Um, I, I really like that stretch, and that's probably the Does stretch. Does he sample Oasis? He samples Oasis um, on a later release, but not this one, I don't think. Does he sample? Basically, covers it or Wonderwall. Yeah, he he, cover, he covers Wonderwall, but that's a different. Well, he samples Wonderwall, but it's kind of a. It's kind like of a, a cover, kind yeah, of. Yeah, but that's on a that's on a different release. Well, yeah, I heard that. Which which speaking that, of yeah. that. Speaking of that release, I think is the next one on our on our list anyway. Um. I believe. So. Well, wait. Well, Castles One. Is or... Castles One? Is Castles One? I'm, I'm looking at the chronology. No. Uh, is it on Castles? Was no, that no. Uh, Cry, no. Cry, Crybaby came before Castles, so we'll do Crybaby. Oh. Okay, uh, yeah. so Crybaby. So now we get to your Wonderwall sample. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I heard this. I don't know. I wasn't sure because he does a lot of acoustic sampley stuff that I like blends together. So. Right. This is a this is a really really great mixtape. I love. This is very good. Like Ghost Ghost Girl was one of the best peep songs. Um, Nineteen is easily one of the best peep songs. Nin- Funnily 19- enough, 
funnily enough, the uh, well, I guess driveway is my least favorite, but those are the only those are the two that I usually can can do without. <laughs> I like the wow, other really? tracks on here a lot more. Yeah, those are the two where it's like it it's it, they're not bad. Again, they're not bad. It's not very often you get a bad peep track when I really think about it. Um, uh, but they're those ones they don't do as much for me as like the more like. The, the other tracks here just do a lot more in terms of, like, little experimentations, like, and samples and, like, um, vocal performances. 19's just kind of eh. Ghost Girls, Ghost Girls probably, the, like, not, it's not that bad. I think the the way that he, um, you know, his sing, his, how, how he's, he's going on that track is pretty good. But, yeah, those are, I, I would rather go for something like, uh, you know the the chanting choruses on Big City Blues, or uh, or Jesus Christ falling for me. Oh, oh, that's the that's my highlight. This, no, that that, that is the that is a great song. I think um, I don't know. I think like, I think my favorites are like, the title track um, Ghost Girl nineteen White Tea. White Tea is like a huge song like in the. Yeah. In the it, well, White Tea was a big song for him, like in the SoundCloud, right. like and band. for and for Tracy as for well. Tracy, this yeah. was like this was like this this was like I don't I don't know if he had I'm not fully aware how much he had going prior to this because this is still young bruh little Tracy, but uh, this was like this was like the the uh, this was like the starting point for him where he was really going into that full on into that uh, they straight like, up boy click. They straight up laid down the Postal Service Such Great Heights beat, and Lil Tracy hopped on that and said, "We like um, when he does in the hook, he's like, we still connect like Wi-Fi. Like it's so, so yeah, good, so clean. Whatever. Yeah. Shout out to Zilla Rocka who hopped on fucking Bright Eyes, Lover I Don't Have to Love for the fucking end of the Slow Twilight on the uh, Five O'Clock Shadow Boxers album in 2011." Hopping on fucking Jimmy Tamborello shit like ten years ago, but no one gives a hey man. Postal Just Service, so. Postal Service was definitely more poppin' than Bright Eyes. At the- right, but it was the same shit. And Lover I Don't Have to Love was the one Bright Eyes song that people who didn't even know Bright Eyes knew. Yeah, fair, I mean, fair, fair enough, but I mean, different though. Like, but it was the same guy. He made the same. He made the fucking Postal Service beats. Like that was the. So that's why I said. Eh, uh, fair enough, but at the same time, this is the back, nerdiest thing I've ever gotten mad about on the show. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get I getting mad. I don't, I don't get getting mad at that because there's no way that Lil Peep or Lil Tracy knew who Zilla Rocca was, but or who fucking the Postal Service were possibly, maybe. No, I, they definitely I knew. I feel like Pete definitely like, knew. No. They wouldn't have jacked the beat and put it on a mixtape if Pete didn't know like who. Was it in Garden State? Did they see Garden State? I feel like, I feel like, I mean, if Lil Peep is listening to like 2000s emo bands and like sampling Modest Mouse on his mixtape, he definitely knows who the Postal Service were. Fair enough. I mean, he knows he knows who the Microphones is from Beamer Boy and yeah. other things. All right, that's way more obscure than the Postal Service. I'll concede this one. <laughs> yeah, the mic the microphones the microphone sample's crazy. The the Modest Mouse. Well, I haven't heard that Microphones album. The big one. The, yeah, the one that like apparently everyone in Orlando loves. Like I just saw another review of that, and I'm like, oh damn, I never listened to that. So great, great record, great record. Um, apparently, the but the Modest Mouse sample on 19. Going back to that, that's from um, 
the uh, the live record, uh, the Baron Von Bullshit Rides Again. Right, that's a deep cut. Like, that's yeah. how you do a Modest Mouth sample. Like, fuck you, Lupe Fiasco. Well, I don't think that was his idea to do that, actually. Because <laughs> that song sucks. But, terrible, terrible song. Um, yeah. But yeah, the so I think that's one, another reason why I like 19 so much is because, like, it uses the sample so well. And the sample is from, like, a really good Modest Mouth song that, like, no one except diehard Modest Mouse fans would know. So I think it's, like, a cool... It's a cool flip, and 19 as a song, I know, KP, it's like one of your least favorites, but one of, one of the reasons why it's my favorite, or one of my favorites on the, on the tape, is like kind of the same way I talked about with the star shopping and the way I see things, like his lyrics on it are so good, and also like everything is a hook, and he's just like, the way the song kind of like stumbles over itself, the way he kind of like stumbles over his own words and everything, like... And the whole thing just bleeds together. There's not really like a division between like hook and like verse. It's right. just it's the Beamer Boy thing too, where it's just like one long hook. And just the way he keeps repeating like like I don't want to go to school. I don't like that. Like he's talking he's talking about um like blowing up and like you know not wanting all well, these like. See, that's what I love about Beamer Boy. Is also what I love about Max B. What is the love about Frank Ocean? Is they can just turn every part of the song into a hook. Right. Like at their best, every part of the song is a hook. It doesn't matter what part of the song you're into. Yeah, and that's and that's a, a talent that you know is is rare. But I mean, he's talking about like you know he's talking like you know he's on like he doesn't want to lose this person that like he's been with and like just because now that he's cool and like you know people are judging him because he's got face tats and like shit like that. It's not. It is very you know. Um, Nothing like is inherently quote unquote deep, but it's it's made that way because it's so personal and so intimate. And like the way he kind of like the way the song ends too is kind of like the way Beamer Boy ends, where it's like there's just like repetition in like that hook and then it kind of just like trails off and it makes it feel more like powerful and, and like, you know, melancholic at the end. So He had a way with outros. We'll get to it when we get to my favorite song of his. We'll get to my favorite outro of his as well. But he had a way with outros, which is something that I really appreciate about him as an artist. I think he did that on Falling for me too, uh, to your point, like about you loving that song, um, KP. Yeah. Yeah, Falling for me is like that's. If, if 19 is the special track to you, Falling for me is the special track for me, just because. I don't know, it's something about the beat and the way he's just, like... I'm not much one for super into analyzing lyrics, but just just the way he's he's, he's, he's he sounds... Uh, I don't know, something about the way he's flowing on that track wall with, like, this just ambient-as-hell beat that I feel like kind of is... I don't know how much Peep Clams listened to when he did Four Gold Chains, but it kind of... It gives me a bit of that. That's mm-hmm. the beat. The beat gives me that same feeling as Four Gold Chains later does, with just like this really heavy, like low end on on it and everything. It's it's just so good. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that's appealing about Peep is that you don't have to really psychoanalyze deep dive rap geniuses' lyrics. Like he might have, like his lyrics are diary lyrics, not in that way. They're diary lyrics, and that they're personal and direct and to the point. 
and he has a way of delivering them with a catchy voice that sounds like a musical hook. And at first that felt cynical to me that somebody would be so emotionally direct with such like emotionally direct song titles like high school and gym class. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't know. I think I have my defenses up about this guy. Even his name. It was like a little really basic surface level pun. I don't know. Well, but, apparently his mom gave him the name. Apparently right. like yeah. everything a little bit deeper. It all makes sense. Right. And yeah. That's basically how I feel about most of his music. I still find Hellboy obnoxious. Uh, the one we're going to get into later, I still don't really like. Most of his music that I listen to for the sake of this podcast, I really came to enjoy. I love California Girls. I really enjoy volume, um, part one. I enjoy parts of a lot of his songs that I even don't like, just the way he delivers them. The Little Tracy collabs, I think they have great chemistry, too. Like, right. I don't really have much use for Tracy solo, though. I I got into a lot of Tracy solo. I I, I kind of just binged literally everything that he had. Um, I think I think nowadays I would actually say I probably like Tracy more than Peep, but I think as I think they're strongest as a duo. Absolutely, I think as a duo they they just make magic together. When the way Peep can just purposely perfe- perfectly make a hook, and then and then Tracy can like deliver that that emo rap vibe but in that in that like he's he's so slurred out he's so oddball and like his mixture of like goth tropes mixed with like like mall like there's just a bunch of things it's the thing it's, about it's Tracy's great. flow is that I don't really feel like I need to hear too much of it when he does it well it's great like it's right. really great and it matches really well with the instrumentals they picked on castles right which should we get the castle? Are we going to go right? Yeah, I get think that's probably sure. Yeah. This um, this is pretty strong, actually. I don't know. I know. I think I remember in your review, Pat, that you weren't uh, as big on the Slug Christ song on this EP. Yeah, but man, I love I it. I think he's he's a bit much. That's the one. That's the one bum note. I like everything else about it, actually. Like, and this was the yeah. first time I was really sold on Peep as an artist, more or less, aside from the Clam song that we'll get to. Right. But, the, but the that, beat's I amazing. I didn't fully appreciate it until I revisited it after listening to this and some other stuff. But, yeah, Slug Christ, his whole thing is just pouring it on. Like, excess does not equal quality. I want to say that from what I know of Slug Christ, this is actually a pretty reserved performance from him. Yeah, he's, when, he co- when he starts the song, it sounds like Slug Christ. How I know he's like, young slugger and all that. It's like he's 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 doing that thing where he's like rapping with his tongue like at the bottom of his mouth, and he's like he's not closing it. You know, he's like got a he's like doing like halfway a Valley Girl thing. But he, but for his actual verse, he's 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 not doing what I usually know of Slug Christ. He's actually he's keeping it pretty reserved and going in for it, like really going with what what the track is about and everything. He's uh, not going off topic. I still found his inflections obnoxious. Like he killed the vibe for me. Maybe it was just the way he came into it that just killed. The, I'll listen yeah, to wait, it again, the, but. the way he comes in is it, at the start of the track, like right at the beginning of the track, is not great. <laughs> That's, but and that that is totally him. But yeah, I don't know. I don't mind this feature. And I think the rest of the song, the beat, it's oh, the beat is no, the beat's excellent. Like I really like 
I don't know. This was, again, the project that really sold me on Peep as an artist because I heard the wrong stuff first. I heard Hellboy, which I did not care for. I heard one of the Come on when you're, come Over When You're Sober volumes. I don't remember which one, and I was told it was a hip-hop album. And for either one, that's not the way to sell it. One more than the other, but still. And yeah. I was not into it. So... Now, yeah, I mean... I come around, but it just felt very cynical to me, and... I feel like if you don't like white wine, you can't listen to the podcast. I feel like that's another thing we can say, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, there are things to throw on the list. You can't listen to the podcast if you don't like white wine. Like, it's just amazing. You can totally listen to the podcast if you don't like Chardonnay. Chardonnay's trash. But the song White Wine, yeah, fuck off. You can't listen to the podcast if you don't enjoy that song. That's really a, a super, like, really emotional, like, song like i mean just one of i mean definitely the, the most emotional of the three on here but just like really nakedly emotional once again like that's just oh, a, yeah. you talk about that it's just the chemistry again you know it's just haunting in a way in a weird way like i i remember like it's like it's like kind of like in the music video it just feels like i just imagine tracy and people are in like a house by themselves very dimly, like, just, like, the all the lights are put on, like, the warm setting. And, like, it's just them just going for it because they have, like, nothing better to do and nothing else at all going on in their lives. And they're just letting it all out. Like, it's, it's a really emotional song. And it's also an instance, if I remember correctly, of another microphone sample. So, yeah. two for two. Really making people and... listen to that album. And uh, shout out to, like, the production, um, just in general, like, I mean, um, like, ne- any any Peep collab with Net, is it Netarb? Am I butchering that? It's Brandon it's, backwards, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Nedarb, is how Nedarb, I always pronounced it. Nedarb, all right, so, so, you know, what are you going to do? But, um, yeah, but a- any collab those two had, like... I mean, he was really important for, like, the emo rap scene in general. Like, he's produced a lot of, like, the songs that are going to be held up as, like, the pinnacle of the scene. Like, for right. sure. Um, this is also, this is probably one of Tracy's best performances. Uh, after going through a lot of his discog, this is this is probably one of his strongest verses, bar none. Like, just, just, uh, just the way he's, he's, he's going about it. Um... The freaking, um, was it, I'm going to buy a Maserati just to take my life inside. Uh, yeah, that's a great line. Which, that's a great line. Which, which is, which, fun fact, uh, because I was young and stupid, I used to watch a lot of React channels, and every time that line comes up, people would get really upset. <laughs> They'd be like, that's too far. What's wrong with this fucking song? What? Uh, like what? what's wrong with you i don't know people don't like talking about the idea of, i don't know i guess they don't like they're just like oh this song was so beautiful and then he had to come in this this rapper had to come in and like talk about blowing his brains out in a car but which i get it's a it's a it's a it's a morbid visual but it's also really it it kind of just sums up the entire uh goth boy click aesthetic in a way where it's like Really glitzing grammary, but like you know, what it, it's 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 all point, it's all meaningless in the end. 
Right. It's look, and, it's looking it's looking good to hide the fact that like you're hurting. Of course, and that's a huge aspect of Peep's music. I mean, he would he would contradict himself so many times in his like songs that that was like the actual like you could re- see the point of the song right there. Like as it's hitting, right. like that's know? how Beamer Boy goes. That's like the literal pivot point on the song. He turns right. himself, and that's what and he did right. that. Yeah, they, he did that a lot, like throughout his career. Like you know, he would go from because that's that's just like at least from everything I gleaned, where Peep goes from like, man, these like everybody like everybody was wrong. I'm gonna be successful. You're 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 like. These girls don't want me type of thing. Then he goes to, like, when we get to, like, Hellboy era stuff in Castles 2, it's kind of like, yeah, you did want me at one point, but, like, now, and, and now that I'm now that I'm doing really great, now you want me? Yeah, good. Now that's, I'm going to not, if you're going to be with me, I'm not going to treat you well, and it's what you get for not uh, being with me before. And then by the time you get to come over when you're sober 1 and 2, it's usually people rapping about how, like I'm terrible. You trust you don't want to be with me. I'm, right. Like, I'm, I've gotten to a point where like I'm completely messed up. And that's the thing. It's more... back then they didn't want me. Now I'm hotter. These hoes up on me. To, <laughs> uh, fucking uh, what was the? Uh, I'm trying to think of the Earl song. Actually, I don't think there's ever an Earl song where he thinks the girl is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, Peep, like, I mean, to your point about, like, Beamer Boy, Patrick, like, I feel like just him, just the contradictions of, like, you know, him, like, talking about, like, he's on now, and, like, everybody's hitting his phone, then he's also, like, I feel like I'm a no one, that's what they told me, like, it's just, there's always that, like, juxtaposition of, and it would, like I said, it could be in the same hook or verse, the same song, like, it could, it's, there. There's what I wanted to like. I mean, I brought up Earl, but I think you could also bring up Mac. I think you could also even bring up Drake and like the larger talk about Peep's influence about just like larger talk about like bringing up emotions and rap and popular music about just talking about this shit in general and like approaching it in songs that people sing along to with these sort of morbid thoughts, these sort of stories. Like, how much of an influence is Peep been? I think definitely he has been a big influence on a burgeoning, like, you know, generation that is starting to make music now. Um, outside of the people that are, have a grave robbed him. Like, I'm taking those people out of the equation. But, like, yeah, I just mean, like, people that are, you know, at this point, like, just starting to, or have just started making music in recent years. Like, people's obviously a big influence be and you know i think one of the reasons why like the grave robbing stuff is so disappointing is like because it's really it's very difficult to replicate something like what little peeps music like did and like how it how it operated and how it walked that line it's 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 that type of thing where it's i think i used to talk i talked about this in both by crybaby and my hellboy review it's like it's because he had a first off it's because like he had a genuine love for both types of genres and he very much respected both of them a lot hip-hop and a lot of emo punk pop punk stuff he loved both of them genuinely and then what he did is like what a lot of people who were those fans growing up of those genres 
that were kind of shaky did is that he took what was there and he he knows those genres so he knows how to improve upon them really well and like take out the kind of iffy or bad like um aspects and like just make a perfect like uh blend or like uh or just product yeah yeah see like basically think about rebirth like Lil Wayne did not understand the rock music that he enjoyed. So he was coming at it like a Martian. Like he always said he was a Martian. Like imagine a Martian coming to Earth and trying to make like Earth food. He doesn't know how Earth food tastes, so he makes some slop that people can't eat. So mm-hmm. he comes out with Rebirth. Afterbirth, right. whatever, you can't eat the shit. Whereas, you know, Lil Peep makes some fucking music that he actually understands where it comes from, the way it's supposed to sound, what people like about it. And then he's able to make rock music that has rap influences, which is what I think somebody like Wayne was trying to do. And he comes out with what he came out with. Right. For the most part, like, again, like, okay, come over when you're sober stuff. I keep harping on this. I really don't like it because I think it's really good at doing stuff I really didn't like in the early 2000s. Right. I mean, that's fair. I mean, like, you know, the, that's sometimes that's just what it comes down to. Like, there's not a, you know, if you don't like the music that like a certain like artist is is channeling have, like, his own best, music. Like, like Danny Brown come out with the best Snap album ever. I don't like Snap music. So. Right. You, you don't like um, you're not a Hurricane Chris stan. I mean, not. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who could do the best A Bay Bay cover that I wouldn't like. Uh, so, I, I, I grew up with that song. I, <laughs> I, I said you by insulting Hurricane Chris. No, don't, don't feel free to insult Hurricane Chris. I just think I just I'm reminiscing on watching that song on like MTV too. Ugh. <laughs> uh. I guess Hellboy's Hellboy's next, which I guess is Hellboy is next, which we are going to fight about this now because this is my absolute favorite Pete project. This is it. This is the big one. I I think it's I think it's great. I think it's near. There's only like maybe three tracks I don't like. There like or or three tracks that I two tracks I'm okay with. One I don't like. Is it the last track? Oh okay. I thought it was the curb the curb lagoop track. Oh no! I think the Curb Lagoop track is great. <laughs> oh no, it's 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 good. I'm just like I thought that you might have not liked his voice or whatever. I'm I know a bit of Curb. Thank you, Ruben Slick. Uh, but the um, because oh, I'm Curb... gonna the podcast to a halt to say that I heard a uh, Lil Peep and Ruben Slick chopped and screwed track called "Fuck Fame." That is on the album. Yes, that was it is. really fucking good. I yep. don't know where Pete, I got it from. You, it's you can screwed. Yeah. Like, uh, where, yeah, no, that's odd. It's, where did I get it that was chopped and screwed, though? I don't like, no know idea. where I got the original from. It was I, off yeah. uh, Goonie Tunes or whatever. Yeah, it's off the twenty. It's off the uh, recent Ruben. Yeah, it's off the DJ Smokey Ruben Slick album. But where the fuck did I get the chopped and screwed version from? I only um, have one track off of it. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea where you got that. I have, I'm not even aware of that version. All right, this is the new most obscure thing I'm going to ask for a non-existent audience. If you can figure out where I got this Ruben Slick and Lil Peep and DJ Smokey chopped and screwed song from, 
please get me the whole mixtape. It sounded really good. Anyway, <laughs> also be be sure to check out the video where it's Lil Peep and he's just uh, reciting lines by Ruben Slick because <laughs> he was a big fan of Ruben. Also, uh, Ruben Slick is a really good rapper to get into if you're just getting into rap music. He's really accessible. You'll really like the, him. Oh, yeah, you will. Yeah, don't even, you know, the first tape everyone talks about? Well, you know, what I'm telling you is that you need to skip that. You need to go check out, like, Hot Sex or, like, uh, what is it, like, uh, uh, Turd Fighter. That's what you need to go check out first. Absolutely. Don't Don't listen. Yeah. Don't listen to those ones. Listen to the one where it's hosted by a DJ. He's like, this is the best mixtape ever. And then he's, he only showed that DJ is on that one song. Never <laughs> doesn't even come up again for like, you're, I'm going to host this out, this mixtape. And he's, he's not, he doesn't come back. You can't even give me the uh, damn song. This must be a DJ Smokey exclusive. <laughs> I love, yeah, the one, no. I love the one that has, like, I think it's like uh, Yoshi Emeralds or whatever. It's like, protect DJ Smokey. Protect Yoshi. Yeah. Kush Aliens. It's definitely the Kush Aliens, like, protect DJ Smokey. Also, the Maybach music girl, and it's like, protect Positive Squad or whatever. <laughs> Kush Aliens are invading Earth. Oh, what the fuck is up with Kush Aliens? Oh, Kush <laughs> Aliens, what the fuck? What? What? I will say the... The Ruben Slick tape that everybody does talk about is a great tape. So it is a great, it's a, it's a shocking ass return to form. If you know anything of what he was doing right before that, he, I, he was. I think it was because he was back in prison, and he just. It was either <laughs> just after he got out. The it was like his third time back in prison, and I can't remember. I don't know if it was made right after he got out or while he was in prison, but either way. DJ Smokey got him his I think Ruben knew that Smokey was like a good producer it was like yeah no I'm not gonna do my regular freestyle shit I'm actually gonna write some fucking verses for once which I haven't done in like four years and it's 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 so good it's such a good like return to form for him and then you know luckily he's uh gone right he's 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 only had one EP after that but it's also consistent so I think he might be back on track well, I was really talking about his debut, but the the his debut oh. record, but the DJ Smokey tape is is great too, though. Yeah, the debut is great too. It's in the same vein. Uh, right after that, it starts going off a cliff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I'm not gonna say the full title for obvious reasons, but like Bleed Kush is one of the best songs like of that era. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that whole tape is great. Yeah. Go listen to Metro Zoo, you. Fucks. They don't have whoa, enough ratings. Whoa, whoa. Not you. Hey, I'm talking hey. to the audience here. Uh, okay. Listen. I've, I've listened. I've, I gave Metro Zoo uh, some looks of, uh, about a month back, I think. Uh, yeah. Hey, it, I have all the volumes of that um, mostly instrumental fucking series of whatever that is. Kush Pack 3. Kush Pack, yeah. I have all the Kush Packs. All I've Kush listened Pack to 3. a few of them. <laughs> I Patrick, Patrick has... Them. Patrick has all the Kushbacks in real life and and Metro Zoo. <laughs> as as he should, as I everyone should. should. Go get out there and collect some Metro Zoo. It, it's all over the place. Coming soon, you know the why it's trip to the zoo segment. Yeah, trip to the zoo, which I tried to listen to the to the one of the Rubens like EPs before we did this, but I couldn't finish it in time, so I didn't get to do my segment. 
I was just going to completely cut off the Charles Hamilton, like right after the Charles Hamilton segment, I was going to just smash cut into it. Be like, hold on, I got to get this out of my system. I need to let everybody know about Ruben Slick and his heroin mob. Well, you had to get it out of your system because how many uh, shit bars was Ruben Slick going to have on his uh, on his mixtape, right? That's that's what I wanted to see. Surprisingly, very little uh, this time around. He actually managed to very much reserve himself. Wow, so he was a good boy. We have like Charles Hamilton versus Ruben Slick fighting for airtime. Right this now. is the most like internet niche. <laughs> This is just the niche content that our podcast listeners didn't know they needed right here. Charles Hamilton, we know you're listening to the podcast. We roped you in with the Amy Rose. Let me just tell you right now, you can you can probably get a collab with Ruben out just this, just one time. Charles Hamilton Advice. was there uh, still screen ending the Sonic Spinball because I only ever played it on Sega Channel and I only ever played like the first two levels. But it was cool for a pinball game. I'm just going to keep asking Charles Hamilton very specific Sega questions that I know will eventually get an answer out of him. I know how to crack Charles Hamilton. So I'm going to keep reviewing his albums that no one else has listened to. I'm going to keep asking him specific Sega questions. So, right. anyway. Back to Lil Hellboy. Peep. Hellboy. The best Lil I Peep album. I hate this mixtape. I listened to it once. I haven't listened to it since. You guys talk you about it. You should re-listen to this. Yeah, because it's a very... I feel like... Well, I like the one song that I heard, uh, Reverb by Slater Cobain. I like right. that a lot when I reheard it, so maybe I should listen to it again. The Cobain track is like my... This is, that is... it. I think Next to Star Shopping might be my favorite peep track of all time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in so my... Good. If I had like a top 10 peep song, it's probably in there, I think. Yeah, it's, it's right up there. But the rest of this mixtape is just... Ooh, it's a... It's really good. This is where I first started learning about Peep, because I think everybody started... I think a lot of people found out about Peep through this mixtape. Um, yeah, that's when I first started to, like, see him pop up. Right. It was, like, halfway because of, like, this was, like... I think this was... I don't know. I can't say for sure what Kung, like, brought it... Like, put all eyes on this one, but it, it was probably a build-up from the Crybaby tape. And then, um, you know, I won't, we'll, won't stay on this topic too long because I don't want Pat to lose a gasket. But I think that this was also because for this year, I believe this was like number four or something on Anthony Fantano's worst albums of the year list, which got yeah, a lot of attention because he I, never talked. Okay, he, so I don't lose a gasket because Fantano gets mentioned. I think uh, I listened to this because he mentioned it, actually. Because there was a time... I don't know if I listened to it because he mentioned it or because other people mentioned it. I don't know. I don't know if this was the first thing I heard from him. But I heard it around right. that time period. I didn't care for it then. It was a while before I heard anything else from Peep. And just, I kind of put him in the same, like, this is where the unfortunate original Peep podcast came from. Was I put him in the same bucket as Young Lean, as a they called themselves Sad Boys with, like, this dumb spelling. I, as the boomer that I am, you know, said that they were aestheticizing their depression. That's how I viewed right. it at the time. Right. right. This gave me that. My initial listen to this gave me that impression. Yeah. That's well, I also a song titled Cobain, which I listen to that song now. I love the song. But at the time I heard the song, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the approach. Right. And I also I think not... that, like, the cover art is very striking. 
Like, I think it's probably his most striking cover art to me. Like, I think I it's... I fucking really... hate the New Jersey Devils. That didn't help. <laughs> but it's just, like, you see this guy, and it's, like, the hair and the tattoos and, like, the... Like, it's such a... It's obviously there's, like, a bit of grunge to it, like, with uh, just in how the cover art even, like, looks from, like, a discoloring perspective and shit. Right. And, like, to me, it's a very striking cover art. And just, like, it looks like... At the time, you could look at it and be like, it looks like this kid's, like, trying to, like, be a rock star. But now, it like, it just looks like he was a rock star. Yeah, I... I remember I the first thing I ever knew about this was this cover, and uh, all I could remember thinking at the time was this fucking white boy. God <laughs> damn it! There's another fucking one of these. No, don't. Why is there another one of these? And then um, you know, I heard the I heard a bit of the mix. I don't remember if I had heard a bit of the mixtape prior to his um, because I I I think like most people, I didn't really give Peep a chance until like right around the time of his death, but like. It was like initially I was going into it like I think the same mentality Pat did where I was just like what what this guy is just being like some like fake emo dude who's trying to like oh I'm so sad and depressed but I'm also like oh, I'm I'm just having sex with so many women and I could easily ha- get you to love me so easily and I you know I have I'm doing drugs all the time it's great but also I hate it which nowadays, you know, there's 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 just ways that people like nowadays I'm less ignorant to being like, well, no, yeah, he's it's it's he's not just it's dynamic. He's not a flat character. He's gonna there, he's got conflicts going on, and I'm not. You, there's there's different ways that people are gonna express like depression and other like in those in those feelings. Um, but. Yeah, this 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 whole mixtape like roped me in really hard once I finally got into it, and it's 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 still my favorite. Walk away when the door slams. Yeah, that's a great OMF, track. OMFG, that's amazing. That's a track I would think I would not like, but with all the screaming on it, and especially given moving move on, be strong, and how I don't like that track, I think it's just it's the juxtaposition with the acoustic, with the really bouncy acoustic instrumental. There's never been a more perfect moment that encapsulates Little Peep than the this is a certified hood classic uh, ad lib coming in over an acoustic guitar instrumental. Yeah. <laughs> this is a certified hood classic. <laughs> Come, like, yeah. yeah. Also, also, shout out to the track Gucci Mane, which is a good song, and also... Peep has always been a longtime Gucci supporter because he shouted him out. He said "Free Gucci" on uh, on um, white uh, white tea, right? The, yeah, he that's, did. That's like in the hook of the of the song. Um, and he he said it. He said in interviews said, and stuff that like Gucci was like a big influence on him. Yeah, I think he says "Free Gucci" at some point on that on white tea, I believe, or something. Yeah, like he that. says like it's like something. It's something about Gucci, and then he says "Free Gucci." Yeah, I think that's the that's the that hope. just made me think about how on the track on Cool Summer, Two Chains says free Gucci, and then he says I've been saying that so long I should get free Gucci, which <laughs> makes me think Two Chains is a really really wanting rich guy again. Even back <laughs> then, he was wanting he wanted his friend to get out of prison. And then he's like I've been saying it so long that you give me fucking merch. Also, 
when 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 Kanye said, "I'm about to go Gucci in the Gucci store," and that's like Gucci. And Gucci comes in. <laughs> No, it's that's, like, that's no, peak. I love that part of the song, but I'm just saying, Two Chains just like wants shit all the time. Like he was like, I've been saying that so long, I should get free Gucci. Like Two Chains has plenty of money to afford Gucci, whatever. Exactly. He like he, then he had that song at the end of the fucking last album where he was bitching about having to pay taxes. Like I, I feel like Two Chains complains a lot. Two complains. Two complains. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, well. I don't know if this is going to go over so well. Anyway, continue. Anyhow, but, yeah, Hellboy. I, the, I feel like, how, was was Curb only ever on one peep track, KP? I'm, I, don't know. I want, I don't know all of this stuff, but I want to say yes. I want to say this is probably the only Curb feature I know of with a peep, with peep in it. Because I've probably heard, like, half a dozen Curb projects, and there's been no peep. Although I will say... Around this, Peep did the Peep song with uh, Chapo. Um, what's the what is it called? 4 a.m. in L.A. Right, that's the track. I think so. That's a great song. I don't know if you have you heard it. I haven't heard it, but I think I know which. It's I on. Know I it's, remember. It's on the Chapo album, like the emo Savage album, where it's like the cover art is like. Right. Um, it's it's the yeah it's the I know exactly yeah I know exactly what the you're cover art looks like something off of like Tumblr it's the it's, it's the meme it's the it's the chit it's the goth chibi meme but it's it's made to look like Chapo and like some girl yeah 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 uh yeah I only heard, I heard the second emo savage but not the first emo okay, savage because it's the it's the last track on the first emo savage and like the juxtaposition mm-hmm. of like the juxtaposition of like Peep doing the hook and like how clean it sounds and then Chapo's like really raggy like raspy very mm-hmm. um, sounds like he's chewing gum while he's rapping like voice right like, it's, on the like, yeah he's, yeah he's, he's, he's halfway to swallowing his own tongue and it's just like every fourth bar is like well Chapo <laughs> but gotta it's, remind you who's on the track yeah, you got there's a million. It's Chapo, like, man. Chapo's best anything, I think. I mean, like he has really good tapes, but his best anything is on the Space Ghost um, song with Cray. Oh no doubt. Oh, no, so that's icy. Just, that's just, yeah, so icy. Yeah. Oh my god, that song's fucking incredible. The whole EP is fucking incredible. His, I've never listened to anything this guy's done. The way he describes his rapping makes me want to listen to him. He, he. I'm trying to think of a comp for him. Like, who does he sound like? I don't think there is anyone he sounds like. It's it's hard. I don't. I feel like Chapo's got too distinct of a of a delivering voice to be like mimicked, yeah. or he that also, he could pull from. I mean, he very much like bass freestyles, like most of his songs. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. He, he said. He cool said. Some guy who sounds like he's chewing bubblegum and eats his tongue while he raps and does bass freestyle dumb shit. Like and his beats are good, yeah. Like, give me a release. Like, give me he sounds release. great over. He sounds amazing over really dark beats with blown out sub bass that will like right. really like it. Like that's why he sounds so great. Um, even though the Space Ghost track isn't like that, but the Space Ghost track is super super dark. And the way he comes in and then he the he does the hook and it goes to Cray in the second half. Like, yeah, yeah. That that EP and then, that EP's five stars. Anyway. That EP is amazing. 
Yeah. It's going to be top 100 EPs all time, like, on our way up. Yeah, it's getting there. It's already bolded. As is uh, the, uh, what is the other, the Larry, was it the Larry Bird Sessions? Or yeah, that? yeah. Uh, that one just recently got re-bolded, so. Perp's moving up. Uh, what should also be moving up is uh, this mixtape. Look at these. Great. Look at look at this transition right here. This is a this is a Caleb he, transition. He's showing why he's our producer. He effortlessly yes. slides in with the transition. Right. Yes. Uh, and before, if we're gonna leave this mixtape soon, I just want to say, uh, nice work there, making the longest track on the album, the interlude. That's a yeah. great little. That's a great little in joke, and uh, I appreciate it. And. Um, yeah, what do no, you think about the Horsehead collab? Because I think that they, they had good chemistry. That was probably, for a time, that was probably Pete's biggest track was Girls. That's what I knew a lot of people. That's what I always heard a lot of people knew him for was this track specifically for a while. It has it a was, lot of plays on SoundCloud. Yeah, it has a lot of plays. I would, um, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, I always at first didn't like this track. It's probably the... At least when I knew Peep, it was probably the minus a few tracks here and there that you can find as Lucy's. It's probably his most like mean spirited towards girls, just in the sense that he's like, I'm gonna just have like I could I can have I, I just I just get all the girls. It's amazing. Um, well, I and I always thought it was kind of smug. Because I, I guess we should talk about this because I mentioned this on like last week's show about like the whole mean spirited thing that. Uh, G Easy. G Easy. The the, the when he did yeah. the fucking Halsey diss track, essentially. Right, and I was talking about how I think a lot of rappers how that's unappealing. Like Big Sean did, I don't fuck with you, and Drake did Marvin's room. But then, like, where do we think that Peep falls on that? Like, with obvious, like the Lil B influence, but like Lil B is like obviously not serious. Uh, maybe he is. Who the fuck knows? About you know, he's got a hundred bitches or a thousand bitches or a million bitches but and where do we think peep falls like with his the rags and that type of shit i mean i think it has a lot more of a i mean just in the names you meant i can go through so i feel like i mean big sean we know that's like whiny bullshit and like you know g easy i mean it's fucking g easy and like logic people like that she just brought Logic out of nowhere. I did not mention Logic. Hey, well, because we compared the GEZ album to Supermarket, that's why. So I had to... Uh, I was related... We gotta they're get it at least the, in the episode. They're, the in Logic the, they're in the same bucket at the, at, at, when it comes to that sort of stuff. But I think when it comes to like those artists doing breakup songs or songs that involve you know, a relationship, those are not dynamic songs. Like, even... You know, Drake has plenty of songs that aren't dynamic, but he also does have songs that, like, inwardly look in at himself and, like, you know, kind of peel back that, like, layer of, like, the I'm too cool Drake versus, like, the, like, you know, I'm actually bad at this Drake. Um, but people... he did that on the song about his son, that would have been nice. It would have been, it would have been way better than what the song was. Um, but no, I think Peep... What kind of what um, you were saying earlier, uh, KP, but just like there is a dynamic to it where it's not going to be consistent, but that's because Peep's not consistent. And that's because like we're not consistent, like as people, you know, like you might 
be one way one minute and the next way another minute, you know? And so right. I, I think it, it ties itself into like how he is like inter or was internally like at that moment when he made the song because he in the documentary I keep citing this because I thought it was like a pretty good documentary you know pretty insightful um like he talked about his personal process would be like not all the time but sometimes like he would just like have an idea for a song and like walk five feet over to the mic next to the computer in like this living room in a house and like do the song and then like be done with it and then it would go up like two hours later it's like right. that kind of spontaneity right. so all the spontaneous emotions you're feeling at like this one moment is probably like how you get songs that are vastly different right yeah and i just want to say this because i didn't get to it but you know uh, those feelings i had were at first but if you contrast what peep does with his hook and verse versus what horsehead does um, it kind of counterbalances it out. I feel like, because Peep does have uh, uh, tracks where it's like he'll he'll sound like he's being very mean spirited, but then he'll clear up that no, I'm also terrible. I realize that I'm terrible. You, this is probably for the best thing that you leave or whatever. I know I'm not doing good at being a boyfriend or how or in this relationship. I think Horsehead's verse makes up for that. Um, because it actually is a very good guest verse. I think this is like a pretty good highlight for what I've heard of Horsehead, which is not much. I just thought of this. Um, does uh, Pete predates Brockhampton? Do we think Pete was an influence on Brockhampton? Hmm. Interesting. I Kevin I mean, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin was around around the same time as Pete doing different shit. But Kevin also, I could see Kevin listening to Pete a lot, like. I, I could see Pete being an influence on Kevin. I could. Like, have you heard Kevin's early shit, like the MTV 1985 and uh, American I've Boyfriend? Heard, I heard American Boyfriend, and I think I heard the other one, too. It uh, felt mostly Frank Ocean-y to me. Yeah, it, it did. American Boyfriend was good, but it was like Frank Ocean. It was like good Frank Ocean cosplay, but it just I felt mean, like, like... Yeah, like, it, it did not feel like his own... He felt much more comfortable in his own skin on what he was doing on the Saturation Trilogy and even the stuff prior to that that was, like, around on the mixtapes and such. But still, like, it was still good for what it was. Like, he already had fully formed concepts. But I'm saying more in terms of just being able to emotionally express yourself in that directly emotional way. Like, I feel, I don't know. You think you think a song like Bleach doesn't exist without like listening to I Pete mean, and some Pete, other music? Keep was breaking open the lane for direct references to 2000s emo. Brockhampton broke it open for boy bands. Boy bands, if anything, are even more uncool than emo. Oh yeah, way more uncool. Oh yeah. Has nothing, I don't think anything boy band related has aged well yet or had any sort of like reevaluation worth or worth any reevaluation. Outside but what of Rock like. What Hampton realized is that boy bands don't scare the hoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, and then of course, but the problem was is then they. A mere scared the hoes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. God damn it, Patrick. My goodness. 
Oh my god. We I mean we're leaving that in there. Um we have to leave that. Oh in. no, no, don't edit that out. <laughs> I'll it, leave it in. When we do the Brockhampton episode, that's gonna be uh like this the the fall the falling off is is really tied to one or two things. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think there's but a point to be I, had. I do actually want to go back to that musical discussion, though, about, like, bringing in these influences, because really, like, hip-hop from the beginning, like, hip-hop transformed disco, and it's just, like, was disco cool at the time? And it's just, like, things Probably that were not. cool being transformed. I don't... I'm not aware of how much... I, I'm not aware how popular disco was in terms of, like, um, you know, the, uh, I mean, it was a primarily, at least initially, a primarily, um, you know, African-American types, uh, genre. So maybe it's still stuck around in those circles after a bit of the quote unquote popularity died off, mostly held by very stringent conservative white America. But so I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think I might be drawing the discussion too broadly, and we can go back to deep. But it was no, really I think, more about, I, like, genres being brought in, and I kind of felt like these were two very, like, you never really saw these reference points being brought in so much, like pop punk emo and boy bands, and then all of a sudden Peep and Brockhampton come in, and right. they're huge. No, I think, I think, there's, a, I think there's, there's a comparison to, to being made. I think it's, like... I think it's just, I think, it, I don't know, want to say maybe it's just a generation thing because it's like those times were popular for these kids. So then they take those, they, that, that is their influence now to, to take in and apply to also what's been, what is now currently popular. Or, yeah. And like, I, I think hip hop has done this sort of thing a lot like i think patrick's point is is a valid point that he raised which is like hip-hop has taken genres and incorporated into and like look at like i mean a hip-hop and like electronic music you know what i mean like mm-hmm. how it was able to incorporate that um, right and in the and in the 2010s especially the late 2010s or you know now early 2020s hip-hop has taken things that were like uncool and made them cool I mean, right. depending on the level i mean look at all of like the and also things that weren't previously cool just in culture like hip-hop's relationship with anime anime right. and hip-hop have always been closely linked and hip-hop has made anime cool to like now right like, you know i think that and it used to be looked at as a fucking nerd or a weeb if you liked anime now it's like right. now it's like a common thing you know like right. I, I think it's really cool that things that were previously niche are popular now and it's and some of those things are largely in part to hip-hop because hip-hop at one time was niche and now it's every i mean and it's been everything for the last like 20 years right yeah and you know i think even nowadays there's something to say about what you're the point that you're making about like taking an uncool thing and making it cool it's like you know, now if I could if I could cite another thing that's kind of similar to what we're talking about, about emo pop punk, it's like I can't tell you how many times a trap metal artist nowadays, like a real one, will be like, "Yeah, I was listening to System of Down and Corn a lot when I was young," and then like mm-hmm. they just they kind of took that and put it into it. 
so it, it there there's yeah, well, like System of a Down was always good. So fuck you if you think the System of a Down wasn't always good. I used to run but... in circles of people who would be like who would throw System of Down in that just like oh it's just new metal so it sucks. Circles. I mean, yeah, there are people who would always look down their nose System of a Down and Deftones. Right. But, I mean that's they're, a whole they're other stupid. Discussion. Yeah, they're stupid. Let's just let's make that clear right now. They're all idiots. They were never correct in the first. They were never. There was never a point. That even they should they should have even been considered like from the jump like yeah yeah system of, down. system of a down is new metal and so is mr bungle <laughs> and system of a down are also better than mr bull uh fucking what was it mr bungle right yeah yeah so yeah, i'll, I'll co-sign that i will co-sign that toxicity is better than any mr bungle album i agree uh i agree. I've, I've only heard one album for each band so i'll hold off Mr. Bungle, um, I will like. I mean, the the California record is a good record, but like the, their self titled is not a good record. Um, I only heard Disco Volante. Okay. I mean, I think that, all that one's okay. Are good records, but they're all very insular and like kind of. I don't know. They have that Frank Zappa quality to them where they're cool, but it's like you listen to it and it's like I don't know. There's something There's very. A, there's a, a very great quality of self-satisfied, masturbatory, whatever the fuck to it. It's a bit taxing. Yeah, just even from like when I listen to unnecessarily intellectually taxing. Yeah, like why do I have to think about this so hard? Just fucking music, chill. Like I think Mars Volta gets that right. Like they still make music you can think about if you want to, because but they can still rock the fuck out to it. Mm-hmm. On their right, on their good shit, on their bad right. shit, it's just not that good. Like they have good and bad words. So yeah, there's a uh, there's a review of this which I'm now struggling to find, but it says that like it smells like the Mr. Bungle album like smells like dirty socks or something or like old socks and (laughs) something else, and I'm like, yeah, it's exactly what it smells like. Um, I have one friend on RYM who, if he actually listens to this podcast, he is banned from commenting, but I'm getting a really mean personal message. Mm. This <laughs> Rip. Um, anyway, so where are we on the peep discog? We're on to Castles 2 because I think we're all Ooh, good on Castles Hellboy. Two. All right, Castles 2 has a song that I would love if I can never play in public, which is uh, Witchblade. Witchblade is a highlight. Witchblade I is, love is... Witchblade, but I would never play it in public. Just because it just, it's such like a pop, like, it's such like a pop punk it kind of It sounds like an anthem for cutting your wrists. It, it, I mean, well, I mean, just the, I mean, just the lyric, I mean, the when, um, when Tracy's like, ask me if I'm all right, do you want me to lie? Whew. It does. Like, like if you yeah. listen to it and then, like, put it in context the way they say, like, which blade sounds like switchblade, the way they pronounce it. Yeah. And... But it's so catchy. I love the song, but it just kind of sounds like you're listening to a pop punk song that's like about like cutting your wrist, but making it sound catchy. It's yeah. definitely like one of the most, um, like the strongest examples of like the melodic like hook that 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 you know Peep could write or or sing rather, because it's really like that is very in your face, like we had talked about earlier. Like it's very in your face. 
and it's really opposite to what he was doing on California Girls, which right. I like. But I think it's equally as good. Again, I just as a thirty-five-year-old almost man, um, that made me sound like I'm almost a man, not like I'm almost thirty-five. <laughs> as uh. almost thirty-five-year-old man, that still didn't sound great. I'm still gonna go with it. Um, I still would not really like to. It just sounds juvenile almost, but I really like it. I don't know, but it's like, I also love Coheed and Cambria, and I would not feel great about playing that out of my car either. Sorry, Ryan. So, um, like, it's got that same sort of vibe to me. Like, it's really good, really catchy, but kind of juvenile. I mean, the way that they go, like, Tracy, like, says, like, you know, when I die, bury me with all my ice on. Then Peep comes in, when I die, bury me with all my ice on. Oh, I love that, though. That's so good. That's so good. Bury me without the lights on. Yeah, it's it's like, like That's great. It's so good and like like the the pass offs and everything like the chemistry is so strong there. And it just it oh, feels yeah. like it just feels like an anthem from when the song comes in cuz even the producer tag when it's like, "Oh, big head on the beat." And then like it just comes Ooh. right in with the uh like the drop. It just feels like that huge anthem. And I feel like it's going to be one of the defining like emo rap songs from this era. Because it's a super popular song. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that you know after Hellboy, if a lot of people are like, "What the fuck is this?" I think Switchblade was like the beginning of a turning point. Definitely, I think I this EP, but I think mainly Switchblades was like the turning point where I think it, it was the first moment a lot of people turned their heads around and been like, "Well, wait a minute, there is something here." But this has Dying Out West on it. Dying Oof. Out West on it. My favorite song on here. I love the raw delivery on this. It's 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 a perfect little it's a perfect little pop tune. Like it's it's it it is a pop tune sort of basically. Yeah. It's it's an incredible it's an incredible song. It has like a pop melody to it, but I feel like the ragged edge to it. It just I don't know. This is I think hearing this was the moment that I really bought peep peep emotionally. Yeah, uh, and it's a very raw, like, emotional tape, um, and it's, like, I think it's their best collaboration together, like, just as a tandem. And I don't want to say that I don't buy their emotion on Witchblade, it's just more that hearing that, like, in public just is kind of, like, it, I don't sure, want to it, it can be the wrong way about that. It's just, like, it's weird to have the dichotomy of such a catchy song about such a dark topic. Right, and it feels like a, um... It feels like, you know, or at least compared to, like, Dying Out West, like, doesn't feel as much, like, potentially, like, abrasive, in a sense, where you're, you could be turned off by the fact that it's so catchy about a topic. Dying Out West is, like, deliberately a sad song. Right. Dying Out West feels appropriate in the notes that it's hitting. I don't know. It's... I think, and I think the other thing is that, going back to it not being abrasive as like switchblades and more you know up front i think it you know this is probably on the ep tracy's most like whacked out performance where he just right after the 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 chorus is finished he just he just he just he keeps the energy up with the like look in the mirror i see it like he just immediately gets right into it and he keeps that melody going and it's it's yeah, it's 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 a good song. It's so good. Yeah, I also uh, want to shout out "Past the Castle Walls." That's a really good song. 
Past Castle Walls is pretty good. Um, re-listening to this, uh, I have a better appreciation for your favorite dress. That's a good song, too. There, I mean, all the songs yeah, are here. All I, the songs yeah, are here. It's great. It really gets its point across in a short amount of time. I feel the production is great. I Again, I would not want to be more critical when I said that. It's my second favorite song on here. I find Dying Out West. And I think every song on here is great. I think their chemistry has never been stronger than it was on this tape. Again, this was this this was the release that really sold me on peak, more or less. I'd heard the Clams single via being in the Clams. And I kind of thought of that more like the way I love Bird on a Wire as a Harry Fraud song, if that makes sense. Mm. I kind of tolerate riffraff. And that's the most insulting thing I've ever said on this podcast. I just compared Little Peep to Riffraff. <laughs> hey, you a lot know, of white boy energy. So yeah, it's but, very Riffraff. Definitely very, very white. The thing is, Little Peep actually had talent and investment and wrote things, whereas Riffraff is exactly what his name implied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think. I don't really have much else to say about him. I mean, he surrounded himself with the right people and made good music by osmosis, essentially. Like, he was able to be there while other people crafted good music and he babbled shit. Right. I only really know Riff Raff like for an that Andy one. Warhol character. Yeah. I, I only really know Riff Raff for that one uh, feature on uh, Currency's Pilot Talk 2, which is on my favorite song on that album. Pilot Talk uh, 3. I forget what the... He fucking ruins oh, it's, it. Yeah, it's Pilot Talk 3. Yeah, his feature's not the best. But, Cathedral uh, Box! Shut the but fuck it, up. But the, rest of, <laughs> but the rest of the track still is too good to not be my favorite. Like, yeah, it's light yeah, up him. That, that is only, a... Like, Harry Fraud is on that album for one beat. One beat. And he had to bring fucking Riff Raff with him. <laughs> Riff Raff, right. Riff Raff was... Uh... Attached to the bottom of the car, like uh, De Niro and Cape Fear, like he just, <laughs> he's he's like holding on to the bottom of the car, following this like family terrorizing them. But it's just it's just terrorizing Harry Fraud. <laughs> Except instead of a car, it's a jet. He's just hanging on to the wheel as he's like oh. as it's going, and it's like his hair is his hair is getting blown back, so you see all of his MTV tattoos on his neck. I have an easy time picturing Riff Raff in the theater in the Cape Fear scene where he's just like throwing popcorn everywhere. And, and he's laughing like bag. hysterically. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a good movie. I rewatched it like a few weeks ago. It's a good movie. Yeah. I got to revise my uh, rating of the Scorsese Cape Fear. I think that De Niro definitely like he pretty much carries that on his back. It's like a, it's a very pulpy, like it feels like a De Palma movie, but it's, it's, it's good. I mean, De Palma's good, but like, it's like a good De Palma movie. Like it's, it feels I like. I wish that Scorsese would get in that mode more often, just like do some pulp shit. He really didn't do that much pulp. Like it's. Bringing out the dead has a pulp yeah. to it. The scene where they're in the nightclub and they revive the guy, and they're like saying it's because of Jesus they revived him. <laughs> well, I feel like bringing out the dead with the general color palette and the way Goodman, like Goodman's performance, I feel like mm-hmm. that's pulpy. It's like the sinister, like uh, Big Lebowski, uh, like spinoff. <laughs> it's, I never even thought about that. Like Goodman was doing a variation on fucking Walter. 
to me, it feels a little bit like that. Like it's more serious, a little bit, but it's still, it still well, has. That would mean that Nick Cage is the dude. That's a weird jump to make. It is, but also Nick Cage is kind of like just along for the ride the whole the whole like movie in a sense. He's not really in control of like what's happening. That is true. He lets the he lets the circumstances control him. Right, which is a very dude thing to do. Anyhow, that's a great movie. That's very underrated in Scorsese canon. Really underrated movie, and I was like the only one in his whole catalog that I hadn't seen like recent until recently. So. I haven't seen The Aviator. That's a good movie. My 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 like underrated uh or like my not talking about that much of a it's not a big hot take, but like After Hours is 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 god tier. Oh no, that's Scorsese. That's a really great movie. I love the fucking gaudy ass eighties cinematography to that, and it almost feels like Scorsese doing Cohen shit. Yes. Absurdity. It's such like a, it's such a surreal like fever dream of a movie. Like it's so, you feel you like said that bringing out the dead is Scorsese doing De Palma. That's Scorsese doing Cohen's. Yeah, no, that I think your your Cohen's comp is spot on. And um, De Palma, the De Palma comp was uh for Cape Fear. Oh well, I can see both a little bit. I mean, Cape yeah, Fear, yeah, Cape Fear, yes, bringing out the dead. I think I made that comparison actually. Like I was. No, no, you, you, you did. I think that Nicholas. Well, Nicholas Cage. <coughs> was Vampire's Kiss to Palma? Ooh, I don't think so, but it should have been. <laughs> yes. Wait, hold Snake on. Let me actually. Snake Eyes was the Palma. Snake Eyes was the Palma. Yeah. One of the best opening scenes ever. The rest of the movie's trash. The movie is so mid. I don't. I don't. Snake Eyes was fucking awesome. Snake Eyes was directed by the a guy. No, Vampire's Kiss was directed by a guy that did like nothing else. Vampire's what a Kiss, really just that one scene with him. What a, what a what a fire! What a what a great performance! What a great movie! Nick Cage. You could just sitting there like I have to edit this shit. We're supposed to be talking about Little Peep. <laughs> hey, listen. As long as you do this, I get to just put really a long stretch where it's just one picture. That's, that's, you know, exactly. I remember you were saying, oh yeah, Kit and Puke love the Soprano segment. I, and the reason I love the Soprano segment was because I had, I didn't have to change the picture every 30 seconds. So I could just put a big ass Soprano section and just be like, oh, thank God I don't have to do anything else. This is great that we're or getting, got like, that we're getting great the, radio. This the is raw, like the raw editing process into the podcast we're really giving our audience what they want this was supposed to be on the patreon but you know what are you gonna do yeah hey everybody go out there support our patreon you know exactly it's can't wait for the ambient <laughs> album Jermaineson remix the sound of patrick smoking a bowl during the podcast for <laughs> seven minutes and 40 seconds it's, all the behind scene features of us talking before we press the record button that's what you're gonna get. That's what you're gonna. You can't. Here's a preview right here. Oh, there it is. See, that's what you're gonna get. On the page. All right, that, let's stop antagonizing the viewers. They're they're frantically hitting the down button. The people we that, already have so few. <laughs> we need to keep them around. It's mainly Sphinx. Sphinx is just gonna yell at us in the chat. God, shout, shout, shout out, out to shout out to Sphinx. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Sphinx for blowing up our numbers. <laughs> Thanks Should for we... All right, so what do we have left? We have a... Uh, so come over. We're, 
They come over when you're sober. Real quick, I just want to do say though that um, if you like Castles One, you like Castles Two. There is the Castles One Point Five bootleg comp, which it's is a, a very a nice comp. Yeah. It's a dope bootleg that cleans up all the last few remnants during the 2016 to 2017 period of Tracy and Peep collabs. Uh, it's a lot more in the middle, actually, in that it mixes a bit more of the cloud rap uh, influences in there with the uh, with the emo little sections that you see more so on uh, Castles 2. So if you're looking for something like that, uh, definitely uh, try and seek that out. It's not hard to find. It's right on Reddit or something with a Mediafire download. You can get it pretty easy. But yes, we're on to come over when you're sober one. Which was a, which was ended up being a very popular uh, album. Like it had a lot of. I, I'm pretty like this is the one where he like it dropped, and you could feel that he was like a star, like when it dropped. Like it, it had oh, yeah. a lot of chatter. I remember um, awful things and save that shit being like big songs. Okay, so the right, save that shit yeah. sample is amazing. I love the sample on save that shit. And I can't believe, mm-hmm. like, some other beat that I know samples that. That has to be the case. Because Kitten Puke found out the sample, Wyatt found out the sample. And I don't know that song. But I've heard that fucking sample. It's driving me nuts. Yeah, I know some people were like, oh, I, even it the Reddit so that familiar. I found that. that beat sounds really familiar to me. Right, I've had that same exact issue with their songs, but I know the Reddit wasn't even sure if this was the correct sample because they're like, "Oh, does it only sample like two like guitar licks lines from the from the song?" Like it seems like a bit of a stretch. So I have no idea. It could be completely wrong. It's a very odd, obscure like song that I I've never heard of any of the band or the song or anything like it. So I don't know. Yeah, well, I and love like. The song regardless, so. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a great song. I think like I think Ben's truck is a good song. Um, I think my favorite, my like favorite track on here is the bright side. Oh yes, the bright side is probably my high right right next to awful things. But yeah, the bright side is uh, a really good track. It's like it just has that like classic like pop song feel, and like the way it goes into the the hook. And like you know, where he's like, everybody's telling me life's short, but I want to die like that. The echo I mean, and, and just he's, hits in. Right, and he's like yelling it like it's like an anthem, and you're like, you know, singing along with it, and it's such a downcast lyric. Okay, right. that's this was a good transition to what I wanted to talk about when I talked about his influences. Is that a big influence is uh, I think that he had was on uh, EXO Tour Life. Oh yeah, I mean there. I mean people would lump Uzi in with the uh, like the emo rap bucket, even though I think he was more of like traditional. Mainly the hook. I'm talking the hook, but I think the hook was what hooked people, for lack of a better term. Like mainly the I don't really care if you cry, but that's a can't you hear Peep saying that? Yeah, I could. I could see. I mean. I could see. I think it's interesting that, like, Uzi is another artist who liked, you know, pulled from some. Like, if you listen to Uzi versus the World One, like, it's you can. It's like this is so pop punk. Like that's what it feels like. 
Um, right. and he was he was more of like you know like Manson, like Gigi Allen, like that sort of stuff was like he he was like you know repping the iconography for those artists, but also like he you could tell that he was like. Do you think Lil Uzi Uzi Vert knows who Gigi Allen is? I mean, he mentioned him in interviews a bunch of times. I don't know. I mean, I know Danny Brown does. Like he 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 had a great line at the end of Hottest MC about like hitting MCs. He doesn't like with the same white. Mike's Gigi Allen wiped his ass with. I mean, time. Uzi said that he used to watch like them do crazy shit like on TV, like in performances. I guess. Like okay, he just, just real quick, I can't. Just real quick, pause. I, I came out of the call. All right, I'm back. I'm back. I fell out for a second. My bad. He's back. I'll cut this. I'll cut this. Don't worry. It's okay, Keep this has on. been a problematic call, and I'm not. It has been about my one comment that I made, but. <laughs> I mean, don't worry, I, I'm um, sure no one. I um. No one. All right, Kate, are, are you gonna go? <laughs> I was gonna say no one noticed me being gone, so it's fine. Oh, true. Um, what we're talking right. about, Lil Uzi Vert and Gigi Allen, a sentence I never thought I would say. Well, no, yeah, I was there for that. Uzi for like five seconds. Uzi said in interviews that he like was like inspired by like Manson and Gigi Allen, like a couple it's of just them. It's weird. Like I feel like rappers sometimes hear about shit. I got this from the Bill Cooper book too, where it's like superficially you hear the name, like uh, Waka talking about how he knew Machiavelli, like the Art of War. Oh, that was Sun Tzu, but he knew Machiavelli. He just I knew mean, the Tupac album. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I think. Regardless, I think the the Uzi and Peep, like, there's definitely a, a headspace there that they both, like, operate well, I, in. I mean, I think the punk rock influence in hip-hop has definitely been growing. Like, I think Danny was ahead of the curve on that. I think Flocka was ahead of the curve on that. I think that uh, Exo Tour Life was definitely, like, a punk, more punk than pop song that hit, like, on a pop nerve. Yeah, that, I mean, that was definitely, like, I think, uh, between, I mean, that song and Magnolia being big hits in the same summer were, like, definitely the the rap, like, gone punk phase for different reasons. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. A Brockhampton um, song, could have, like, you know, they had the boy band influence, but there was also a punk energy to what they were doing, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there was a, yeah, they were coming off of, like, this whole thing of like, oh yeah, we came out of like the Kanye, uh, was the Kanye to the threads. We we came out of that. We were like a forum group, kind of yeah. similar. As much as the comparison is overdone, it's kind of like how Odd Future was coming from, just like forum talk. It was like we're just coming out of the internet. We did this whole DIY thing. Kevin Abstract used to like stay after work at at supermarkets to film videos in it and stuff like that and all that. And that's how, like, music in the, you know, mid to late 2010s and beyond is, like, really, that's how music is formed and, like, collaborations and shit, like, especially in a genre that is as young and constantly evolving as hip-hop, like, oh yeah, you're gonna have some guy, like, you're gonna, like, I listened to, like, a, whatever they're calling it, like, a Hexed or a Surge project last night, yeah. and it was, and the, uh, the artist according to RYM is from like Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you're like, how are you making this? And you're from Tulsa. Like the internet has just, has just eliminated all barriers and boundaries. And like, right. The accessibility is so high that like, 
these collaborations between like groups that formed on forums or like people that are just like, you know, Hey, I liked your shit. Like, you know, I'll produce that or whatever. Like it's that. Yeah. It's so instantaneous and accessible that like boundaries are continuing getting knocked down. And I think that's part of the punk phase too. It's like that you don't need to be regional, you know? Yeah. No, you don't need to be. And the covers are just sometimes slap dash together collages of images, just like how punk albums would just be sometimes the collage instances. Like, you know, before they would just like, here's, here's up, here's a fucked up, like, here's like the dead Kennedys putting like their little collages on the covers. And now we've got like people who are like, here's my collage of like three different hentai animes, like right. that are about vampires and I'm going to stick them together. And that's, that's the album cover. Exactly. So I feel like Bandcamp has done a really good job of being a platform that facilitates this sort of thing by doing their 100% for artist days and letting artists sell their merch the way they want to. So I think they've done a really good job in giving them a platform for this sort of thing. But obviously there's the artists who are doing it themselves. Right. Um, you mentioned Dead yeah. Kennedys. One of the best things was when Dead Kennedys had an EP and they had they put out like a, it was just an A-side. So they said, uh, we're told that, they printed on there that we're told that uh, home recording is killing, uh, home taping is killing the recording industry. We'll let the side be on this blank so you can help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, just go bootleg whatever you want on there. No, um, clever thing Jello by Afro ever did. That and Nazi punks fuck off. Although ha that was halfway an accident, halfway not. And Jello by Afro definitely way cooler than Greg Ginn. After reading the Negative Land book, I think Greg Ginn's a I complete think, asshole. I think I mean, Jello Biafra an asshole. I didn't know he was like that much of an asshole. I think Jello Biafra is one of like the few punks on one hand I can count who have aged well in terms of their attitude and like their outlooks on life. Like everyone else is just you either realize that they're just dickheads became dickheads or just like, we're just, or, or just like curmudgeons now. And it's like weird that they are like that given the movement they came out of, but what are you going to do? I mean, Mike Watt is obviously the prime example of somebody who stayed true to their ideals and it's still positive. And Rollins seems like he's probably an asshole, but... Rollins, I think... I mean, other than the Robin Williams shit, I mean, he's probably... I think uh, Henry has always had like a good head on his shoulders. He I don't think he's ever done anything wrong and given I've all the things he does do. Like, his poetry's not very good, but his journals are great. So. His journals are great, but it depends on, like, I mean, get in the van, Henry Rollins is a lot different from the Holding Rollins that is around now, because, I mean... That is true, and I think he'll acknowledge his own evolution, and that's what I respect about him. Right, like, I think people have pointed out, like, have you ever seen this interview, Henry, where you're just ragging on this kid for being an interview, and you're asking, like, are you part of the scene? What are you doing to contribute to this scene? And he's like, yeah, I was a dickhead back then, because I was angry and poor and hungry all the time. So it's like, you know, I, I think he's a bit remorseful. Like, he has had to calm down over the years. He seems a lot more upbeat now. I've seen some of his recent spoken word stuff. He seems like he's really into, like, the young kids' movements and everything. He's, he's, he's as far from a curmudgeon as you could be in terms of, like, culture. 
Well, in terms of giving back, he's always done that. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. he's always been about going back to communities and putting back into stuff. Yeah. So, and publicizing causes worth publicizing and platforming. So, right. even when he was insufferable, he was always being insufferable about the right things. Right. So, that gives him a little more leeway for me, even when he's being a dickhead. So, definitely. Once again, we've wandered off course. Once again, uh, we can't. Uh, we yeah. There's a lot of discussion that little peep inspires, and um, yeah, you know, when you're sober, volume one. Um, first of all, wasn't this the title of an Evanescent song, or was it "Call Me When You're Sober"? I think it was "Call Me When You're Sober," but I'm not going to claim to knowing Ev- Evanescence song titles. I just know that that was like a their big single after the on the second album. I don't know, like. Evanescence was a big deal for a second. Big, they were. were. I have heard some Evanescence songs, but I don't know exactly. Um, I think it's Call Me When You're Sober. I think. Hold on. Yeah, it's definitely Call Me When You're Sober. We've mentioned Kanye. We've mentioned Logic. Now I have to mention Linkin Park because when Evanescence was all over the radio, I thought, like, huh, somebody, some guy in an office came up with the idea to rip rip off Linkin Park with a chick. That was my initial thought behind Evanescence. They they never they they never uh, connected with me. I heard like the one album I think, and that was it. They weren't very good, but no. I feel like they sold a lot of out al- like there's there are so many people who sell a lot of albums that everybody's heard all of once and they can't recall anything from. And that's kind I of think, like I think that era that era has pretty much died though with streaming. Like, what was the last album that everybody bought that no one can remember anything from? Adele? I mean, uh, I was... Yeah, yeah. Like, the last Adele album. Or, like, Scorpion. Maroon 5. No one no one bought all of Scorpion. We just listened to that for a fucking, like, thing in the chat. No, but I mean, when you meant people that, like, got it and don't remember, like... People don't remember most of Scorpion, like, but it was a very popular album, so that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, but I was people, thinking more people who like buy albums and like oh, buy physical albums. albums anymore, like digital albums and listen to them all the way through. Probably the last Adele album, right? Or right. like, or like, yeah. Reputation, maybe. Maybe Reputation, because I think people. Well, people are probably listening to Folklore all the way through. Well, yeah, but I feel like. Because this is going to have a way better reputation than reputation. Um, but yeah, people, like you're right. Like didn't remember. People so will guess, remember. Yeah, there are still albums people remember, like this one. I'm not going to talk about it. I haven't heard it. I'm not going to talk about it. I got opinions, but I ain't going to say them. So. <laughs> it's it's too long. But I'm not. We're not going to talk about it. Like if I'm not going to say my opinions. We're not going to talk. You about don't. The you don't album. have to. I can't say my fucking opinions. We're not going to talk about the fucking album. Moving on. It's a great, it's a great podcast. Great we're, podcast. Y'all, I'm gonna reel it back in. I'm reeling it back in. Let's reel it back in. So, come over when you're sober. One, we've we've got over a bit of the track list. We've got over a bit of the influence. I will say that it is kind of funny that uh, you know we're going off of all. We we just got back from you know we're coming off of Hellboy. We're coming off of uh, Little Tracy and Little Peep. And so it's like the only feature. Like Bridgers. You, you you didn't you didn't have to say it. No, but no, he's... fuck it. Let's talk about the goddamn album. Yeah, she's stealing from Phoebe Bridgers. 
Oh, uh, help me out here. All right, let's do. Com- let's do. Let's I'm do helping you. Let's talk about. Let's talk about it. It's funny that Trace is the only feature on here, but he gives a good one. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I. I. It is, it, and it's also notable that this is pretty much right, that this song, as far as I'm aware, is what. I can't remember if it was this song specifically, but it was like this song and compounded with like some other things that caused a fracture between Peep and Tracy for the short time before Peep's death. Peep's death. Well, um, didn't Tracy work on the sure documentary though, so they were like, didn't Tracy no, he's, work on the no, he, 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 he admits that what he was like, although he still thinks that what he was angry about was a lot of things outside of Peep. Uh, he so he's just kind of regretful that it was like when Peep died, like he was he they were not on like, they were sort of not on good terms or just angry at each other. So he's upset. Like he he he, he immediately went back. He was at the Peep tribute show. You can find God the most heartbreaking performance of Switchblades ever, where he can't even get a line out while the crowd oh, sings was, it a cappella was... to him. He can't he can't keep it together, and he's just. He's just bawling on stage, and everyone around him is trying to console him. That is a it's, really, it's the saddest thing ever. Really brutal thing to watch. Uh, it, it is. Really, really, really hard to watch. Like, almost impossible. It, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard. It's very heartbreaking. And it, you know, and, you know, we're, we're going to get into, if we're going to move into Call Me Over When You're Sober 2, there's a lot... There's a lot to get into with this in terms of the background. Uh, yeah, I it's don't not know clean. How I feel about this one, man. I don't know. I don't know, man. Okay, I... let's talk about the before we before we get into the end of the background stuff. Let's talk about the actual album, which I will say that this is probably the weakest Peep album. Uh, that oh, I. Oh wait, that so I, was this yeah. assembled after he died? This was a, this was assembled after he died. From what okay. I understand, from what I understand. This was nearly pretty much done when he when 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 it was done, it was yeah. all ready to go, and then like there were production changes because after Peep died, uh, Peep's mom and this is me trying to remember this and going off Reddit forums that in in a bunch of posts that were going off quick right after this happened, is that Peep's mom basically doesn't like any of Goth Boy Click at all, outside of like Tracy and like maybe one other person like she. She hates Macnid. She doesn't like. She doesn't like most of them. She's of that opinion where she's like, "You people should have been protecting my son. Why were you encouraging my his drug use? What's wrong with you all? Your bad influences." And so, from what we understand, it's like, I think it's like Smokesack is the produce uh, produce yeah, sm- and produced all this. It wasn't the case. It used to be a lot more golf. There used to be more fish narc production on this and everything. Uh, like uh, I think uh, uh, what song is it? I need to pull up the screen. Uh, there's like one of these songs is from Fields. It's just a reused one from Fields, but they changed the instrumental. So yeah, a lot of the instrumentals at least were changed for this. I don't know if there was any features that got taken off, but there was a lot that got switched around at the last second in terms of production on this album. Yeah, and I think of all like the mess. You hear it on like I mean. I know people talk about Runaway a lot in that sense. I mean, that's like one of my favorite songs on the on the record. Um, and like another one with like, I mean, you can't listen to that song. Like, the song's lyrics are so much about like escape and death as a way of that like escape. And it's just mm-hmm. like, 
like when Peep says like the lyric like I was dying and nobody was there, and you're just like, well, right. he's it's a posthumous it feels, record. Like he's you dead. Know what it reminded me of. Like, what it reminded me of was uh, Mac on What's the Use. I just need a little bit. Fuck a lot. I just need a lot. Fuck a little bit. What's the use? Yeah. Yeah, it it's just, like, it's so like morbid. It's a declarative statement from somebody who we can tell after the fact that it was actually, in fact, a fucking declarative mm-hmm. statement, not just, like, a lyric in hypothesis or whatever. And the track I was thinking of was Life is Beautiful. Life is Beautiful was on Feel, yeah. so it's life. And the instrumental is completely rechanged. And, yeah, um, I know still, that made a, a lot really of people up. It's, really I think it's though. better than this version that's on Feels, and I think it's poignant that he brought it back, but I know a lot of people, This like the production change was stuck in a lot of people's yeah. craw. But I think that, and the problem, that's the thing, is that let's. Make, I want to make it clear that if what this about Peep's mother is true, this isn't, this and all of the, all that goes through Peep's mom, I know that for at the very least. So, like, this isn't like the label. A lot of people are going like, oh, this is a cash grab from the label. Now, maybe you could say something about everybody's everything. I'm not going to comment on that. But in terms of this album, I don't believe that. This isn't the label's doing. This isn't a label trying to change around and get rid of Goth Boy Click. This isn't some weird labels thing where they're like, we got to get rid of all these indie kids or something. It's not what they're doing. No, the, she, so. the, his mom like produced, executively produced the whole thing. Like She assembled Basically. It. Yeah, and she and that yeah. that's been like that for a lot of his posthumous stuff. Like she did the same thing for the documentary. Like she screened yeah. it and all that stuff. Like you know she had a hand. Right. In, like obviously she right. called in you know family friend Terrence Malick to like you know mm-hmm. to do some work on it. So right, and the Goth Boy Click from what I understand is on like members are on that documentary. It's like I'm oh sure yeah, like even if things haven't been patched up, I'm sure they're at least finding the baby we can they could at least throw some in there. And I know Fishnark, I don't know if we're going to get to it, but the uh, uh, Goth Angel Sinner EP, I know there is a Fishnark instrumental on there. Uh, so I know that, you know, there at least that got a release with like some, with some of the content still yeah, kept in. Because that was, the Goth Angel Sinner is essentially the Goth Angel Sinner bootleg, but in EP form. Um, yeah, I know some. I know at least some instrumentals got changed because right? people were still upset at it and still were like, "Oh, it's people, a label cash grab." Yeah, people were. It was. It was good. The bootleg is great, but the actual EP that was released is still good. And yeah, like two out of like, three songs. People are just looking for a reason to be upset. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. feel like people have a reason to be on guard after the Travis Barker X song made it on the radio. I think they have, people have a reason fair. to be on guard after the X Peep collab, which actually gets retroactively thrown on this album. By the way, if you that's if you the song to, I was talking about. That's yeah. The song oh, about. I thought you meant. Oh yeah, I forget. I forget Travis Barker is involved in that song. I forget that he's in, that, that is, he's part of that. That is easily the worst label thing you take art from two like dead people and you put it together and you make it an official single even worse than that you take a you take the i love the you're taking a peep and i love mcconan collab and then you're removing mcconan i love mcconan purposefully to shove in x so it's not it's not it's not even lucy's it was an already finished song yeah. And you're just you're 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 shoving out one person for another and just half-assing it I guess that's where I want to kind of land the plane on this one is where do we see Peep's legacy? Should there be any more new Peep music? What is his defining statement? Where would you start a new listener? 
what is the one deep song you would show to somebody who's never listened to it before? Well, actually, before we do that, I did. I don't know how much we really talked about the music on "Come Over When You're Sober" part two. Um, I'm sorry. If we're gonna go, I, in, I didn't if we're gonna go in, speed to the end there. So. I know. I know. There's not much to talk about because I bet I think you can really just sum it up with "It's Kind of Come Over When You're Sober" part one, but it's kind of weaker. Honestly, at least to me, it's kind of I don't see it as weaker. that at all, actually. I see it as a more obnoxious version of that. I see it as, like, very much amplified on all of the tropes on Come Over When You're Sober Volume 1 that it did kind of, like, Peep was kind of subtly, more subtly integrating his rap influences with his mall punk, mm-hmm. emo punk influences on Volume 1. On Volume 2, everything's played up to 11 and primary colors and annoys me, for the most part, on Volume 2. I... I'd I agree know. with. I, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I think it's weaker, but I still like the, um, I still like the album for the most part. Like, I think, I think, hate me and like uh, fingers, and uh, finger. Life is beautiful for a yeah. change is still, it's still a great song. And cry alone is a really good song, and runaways. Well, are cry good. alone is the my highlight. I like runaway. That, that entire I like guitar. Runaway. I like runaway. Runaway is a really a really good runaway song. Is like good. that. Even with like the new beat or whatever, they did changes to the beat or the mixing. Like I actually think it never bothered me. Like I know it bothered some people, but the the mixing and stuff never bothered me because he's literally dead. Like you, it, it sounds like he's being like. And I I, I think uh, shout out to One Chops. He said this about um I think Gym Class and Four Gold Chains. But like he said, the way Peep's voice is like in those songs, it kind of already sounds like he's a ghost. Um, and I feel like Runaway is the same sort of thing. Um, right. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that, Caleb. I'd probably, yeah, I'd say, I'd also probably give a quick shout-out to 16 Lines and Leanin', which, although I don't think are as good as some of the songs we've just mentioned, are still very solid tracks. After that, it kind of peters out for me in, in regarding the other songs on here. They're kind of like, okay, it's kind of like... Uh, it's it's no different than on part one with some tracks like uh like better off uh like uh, problems better, or better be, off dying better off dying better off dying is a good song I like that uh, song. it's a it's a good song but uh, they start getting a bit nondescript for me after that um yeah and then after that and then so after this album uh, we had the clams we had the four, we had the clams casino collab the four gold change which is an amazing song and a great video that honestly should have been. Yeah, it probably should have been like you had the Goth Angel Center EP, yeah, but then you had the Four Gold Chains uh, single, which is amazing and a great point. The music video is great. It's just such a nice. It's a it's a eerie end note to Peep's career that that collab song and the music video goes with it with Peep walking off down England in at in the nighttime. He's just wandering off after just taking like a, a popping a pill. Smoking it was weed. my best, my favorite Peep song until I heard Beamer, Beamer Boy again. Then mm-hmm. I had to rethink that, but it's still, pro- I don't know, the way the outro, the outro on this is pretty goddamn ridiculous. Right. So yeah, it's and really hard for me to go against this song, and I, I don't know, like, also I told you that I had, like, earlier in the podcast that I used to think that this is just a clam song with Peep as, like, a garnish to it. And now that I have a renewed appreciation for Peep, now I have a renewed appreciation for the song. Right. So. 
Yeah, it's it's but, it's it's really strong, and the outro is haunting. Again, with the video on top of it, when you have that intro, and they're just both going, it's 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 it's, it's um it's very emotional. It's a really like sad and kind of like chilling song. Yeah, and I you know I think Clams had said at the time he was like we were probably going to make more, but it just he had a quite he had apparently like quite a few collabs lined up before he died like. He was going to do an I Love McConan, I think, EP or something. I know he was talking to some other people, I think, at the time. Like, he was, he was, he was branching out. And he was going to do a bunch of, like, I think, small collab projects with a bunch of different people following uh, Come Over When You're Sober Part 2. But it just never came about. So after that... What we had the Goth Angel Singer EP, we just covered that. I, I yep. like Belgium and the uh, and the first track that's slipping my name, uh, slipping my mind. But uh, that that's a really good, that's a decent EP. And then we had Everybody's Everything that combined with the Doc, which I haven't listened to. Caleb's the only one who's listened to it. I know there's a lot. I know people are really mixed on that because I know at the time it was like, oh, it's, we need to get these songs on streaming. That's what or there are and also some... like on the movie. They put like some like fan favorites on streaming, which is cool, like Cobain and Witchblades, and like Walk Away as a Door Slams, and like right. Live Forever. You know, they have they have some stuff that's on. Um, there's a McConan collab on there, like um, that was definitely made like while he was alive. Like, right. So they were good. working on that EP or whatever that collab, definitely. And then I know that there's like a bunch of original tracks with somebody named Gabe. I don't know who that is, and I don't know what relation they have to Peep or if how much that was posthumous or not. But uh, I know apparently, from what I can tell, everybody hates him. Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely the low like the start of the album is like the low point. Like the second half of the album is like the good stuff, and the second half and the first half is like you know the not good stuff, and then like also the stuff that's like eh, nah. right? Like I feel like. The songs, like, on here, like, some of them are leftovers, but the back half is a really good, like, compilation, you know? So, like, mm. I, I think the album's, like, you know, like, half good. Right. Um, and, like, like I said, compared to the absolute, you know, shoveling, how many verses in a closet can we find of XXXTentacion, this, right. this is not the same thing. It's not the same. Yeah, no, you're so, not so. like you're not shoveling mounds of dirt on the grave like of the artist right you know so which it's I not even I... it's kind of like it's not even like biggie tupac where they made like multiple posthumous like three posthumous albums of like each you know right, which you know, by well, the they way made more than that for tupac and i think they made two for biggie like Mm-hmm. I guess this is like the this is like the born again of like the tw- the late twenty tens. Well, it's better than born again, I would suppose. Ultimately. Yeah, it's probably a little better than born again. Yeah, I, I would I would think. Yeah. There's still gonna be more X albums, by the way. There's no way there's not. That man recorded so, he purposely recorded so much like verses in case he went to jail. He said that. I have he said I have five albums worth of songs recorded in case I go to jail. He had two albums come out last year. He had been dead for like a year. And didn't his mom say that she intended on putting out as much product as possible? 
Yeah, she wants to keep his legacy alive or something. Well, you know, here's good people. We're living off borrowed time. So is X. So is uh, Peep. Right. Rest in peace, little Peep. Rest right. in peace to Michael Brooks. Yes. Rest in peace, Michael Brooks. Yep. Have a good week. Our outro music is by Can Cook, Stagnated Pace. They go never stop. 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 Time will dawn upon us.